We got some really bad news today. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Norm McDonald passed away. He was battling cancer for about a decade privately. You know, he didn't want to make it uh, public, I guess, because it's not who he was. And he wanted to just keep those those struggles, um, you know, between him and his family and stuff. And uh, I can respect it. But that to me, this came as a big shock hearing that he had passed. Norm McDonald is a legend. And right now, people are posting all of these really incredible bits that he did. We actually just referenced him in this past week a couple times because of this bit he did where he threw back the social justice narrative in the face of these, these, you know, uh, woke uh, personalities. And it was, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, the dude had just an amazing way of delivering his jokes. There's a viral clip going around of the old SNL stuff that he did constantly calling Hillary Clinton a liar. It's just so good. It was so good. So I'm sad to hear it. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Major bummer because we could definitely use more people like him right now. But, uh, you know, again, uh, my respects, condolences. Everybody's pretty bummed on it. But we got a bunch of very serious and important news to talk about. The craziest was this report that we saw the other day. Massachusetts has deployed the National Guard to drive children to school because their labor infrastructure is falling apart to that extent. In New York, they're apparently going to be shutting down maternity wards because nurses are all quitting due to vaccine mandates. We got another story about a lieutenant colonel who's resigning over vaccine mandates. And I, you know what? I think they know this is the outcome. They know that when they mandate this stuff, people just say, all right, I quit. We've known about the great resignation. Was it 41% of people are planning on leaving their jobs? Microsoft poll, that was from earlier this year, and they're expecting it to get worse. And then they go and do this. They got to know. They have to know. So now we're hearing that the, the courts in New York are reversing this, this, uh, the, the, the mandate on medical workers that uh, barred exemptions, in which case seems like they're hoping they can bring back some employees because they're driving, driving them all away. But we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll get into that stuff. And, um, you know, I didn't want to lead with this because I did it for my main segment, but probably one of the biggest stories of our generation is General Mark Milley engaged in... Uh, I mean, to put it lightly, I'll put it colloquially, treasonous behavior. He made secret phone calls to Chinese military to warn them about U.S. military actions, assuring them we wouldn't take action against them and that if, if Donald Trump intended to, he would inform them right away. He did this in October of 2020, before the election even took place. He had a meeting on January 8th where he called together a bunch of senior officers and had them swear an oath to him that if Donald Trump gave them orders, they would come to him first which is a military coup. That's crazy. So what we'll get, we'll, we'll get into it to the extent that we can get into it because, uh, well, we're being joined by a Brit, Zuby. What's up, man? Happy Do to be wanna, here. Everybody knows you, but introduce yourself anyway. <laughs> yeah, my name is Zuby, independent rapper, author, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast, coach, public speaker. I do a lot of things. People know me for a lot of things. And uh, I'm happy to be here, man. I've been in the States for about six weeks now. I think this is my eighth or ninth stop in terms of cities so i got i got off to hawaii tomorrow morning and uh many more stops after that you know you know i gotta say i mentioned this before but uh, one of our shows because you had this twitter thread that had gone viral and i'm like very often we'll see a public conversation around some ideas that originated from your tweets yeah like you'll you'll have some insight into a into a circumstance or whatever and then all of a sudden all of a sudden i see everybody like Mm. piecing it together like you're the first one to the party you know what i mean yeah, it, it happens a lot. Um, I've even seen a lot of times where I'll talk about something on Twitter and then 
I'll listen to the Joe Rogan podcast like in the next couple of days and, you know, <laughs> he'll, it. he'll reference it directly or it'll be similar. So, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, my Twitter now is reaching about five, six million impressions a day, doing over two wow. billion impressions a year, which is nuts. I think when people think of reach, they typically think of platforms like YouTube or maybe podcasts or even Facebook or Instagram. But in my case, Twitter, in particular for me has just been really powerful. Your music does well, but it's like you're a famous philosopher at this point, basically. <laughs> no, but for real, I, yeah. like uh, when it comes to like something will happen in the news, mm. you know, you're typically the first person to put the pieces together that I notice. Yeah. You know, and that's why you have these viral threads so often. Yeah. Well, I think a lot about the human condition and why things are the way they are. Why I, you, why, why do people behave the way that they behave. So I think a lot of people view me through quite a political lens and sometimes I delve into politics, but really I'm much more interested in society and culture and human psychology, morality, all of that stuff, which leans into politics and it leans into religion as well. But really I'm just trying to work things out, understand why things are the way they are. Why do people have such differing beliefs and perspectives on reality itself? And this has been going yeah, on right. forever. Um, and I think with my background, I come from a particular perspective and set of experiences where I can see things from a lot of different angles. So for those who don't know, I was born in England. I grew up in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. My family background is originally from Nigeria. And when I was in Saudi, I also went to an American slash international school for several years. And beyond that, I've traveled to a lot of different countries. So I don't see things kind of just from a purely british perspective or an american perspective it's just kind of a global lens that explains the no british accent i guess right yeah absolutely there you go yeah yeah all right let's we'll, we'll talk about a lot of stuff we got ian hanging out what's up everybody ian Carlson in the house good to see you zoob no doubt bro happy to see you i am also here in the corner i'm really excited to uh, have zuby i just bought his book strong advice a little while ago and i'm really looking forward to reading it haven't Amazing. gotten to it yet Thank you. but i shall yeah before we get started Head over to TimCast.com, become a member, because we are going to have an exclusive members-only segment coming up after the show. This is where we can say all the naughty words that YouTube would ban us for. And there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about that YouTube would ban us for, because we are falling into authoritarianism. But so long as the platform exists, hey, shout out, TimCast.com. We've got journalists. We're hiring more people. We're doing more work. We're doing more shows. We're going to be launching these shows I keep talking about very, very soon. It requires developers to actually code the website, so... We're going as fast as we can, but it's coming. In the meantime, when you're a member, you get an ad-free experience. You help support all the work that our journalists are doing, and you will get free member. You will, well, not free, but you'll get access to the members' content, which is where we can have these uncensored, unfiltered conversations. So check it out. Let's jump into this first story. And I think I can just tell you the news. Massachusetts governor deploys National Guard to drive buses. All right. There's the story. 250 members of the National Guard are being uh, de deployed to support and assist local communities in their school transport efforts. There's 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 two things I see in this story. One, yo, they're starting to deploy National Guard to like do infrastructure work. That's crazy. The second mm -hmm. thing is, aside from the fact that it's sort of you know it's like a military move to support the crumbling infrastructure, uh, our economy is on fire. I don't know about you guys in the UK. I know it's pretty bad. I guess. You, uh, you were telling me a story about you couldn't even, it was like really difficult to even travel here. But seeing this story just says to me, like, everything we've seen over the past few months with food shortages, labor shortages, this is this is bad. Mm. I suspect it's going to get substantially worse. I just saw Butcher said that uh, beef prices were going to be up like two bucks mm -hmm. by next week, two bucks a pound maybe or something. By next there, week, there was he said. A, yeah, there was a, well, there was a period where it doubled. 
Beef, yeah. there was like one week where beef was double the price. Great reset. What are we doing? What's happening? Man, uh, it's so weird, man. We're, we're living in the strangest time period. And what's crazy is that all of us who are able to foresee some of these second, third, and fourth order consequences were labeled all sorts of names, right? So from the beginning of this whole pandemic situation, going way back, I was far more concerned about the response and the downstream repercussions of that response economically, financially, people's health, people missing diagnoses of other diseases, people's mental well-being, depression, suicide, effect on children, all of this stuff, a whole bunch of things I haven't even mentioned. It was obvious, right? I mean, if you remember back to, say, about 14, 15 months ago, people were acting like it was some toss-up between saving lives and saving the economy. When people were talking about the economy, they were saying, oh, you know, you want people to die. You don't care about grandma. You're putting money above people. That's what people were saying because they don't understand that the economy is the people. If people aren't working, then there's repercussions of that. In my country, like the NHS, it was all save the NHS, save the NHS. I was like, how do you think the NHS is funded? If people aren't working, then you're not saving the NHS. You're actually going to eventually bankrupt it. And it's already in a tight, it was already in a tight position before all this. But the thing is, when people are gripped by fear, they lose their ability to think logically and rationally. Elon Musk tweeted that meme where it was like an, uh, an astronaut on the moon and a comet rips through the earth, blowing it up. And mm. then he's like, oh no, the economy or something like that. <laughs> there were, a, there were a bunch of people who were posting dinosaurs looking up at the, you know, the, the meteor coming down and they were like, oh no, the economy. And I'm just like, I see this stuff and I'm like, man, it's like you said. The people who can see down the road, yeah. who have who can see the second, third, fourth, you know, fifth layer consequences to this, are telling them like, dude, you have no idea what's in store. And even right now, mm. you know, we're hearing a story about the National Guard being deployed. Well, what does it mean when the government starts deploying military to handle infrastructure? It you get dangerously close to such infrastructure damage that martial law is a, a, is a real potential I, a, a, as a real possibility i, I would i kind of like it though in that i think that our national guard and our military should be used to build the world that would be nice instead of destroy it for once like if we could build solar power water condensation on housing all around you know decentralized so well, in a we, way we, we, we good. did that in afghanistan come on we, we not, built not the through nation, force right? you know just through like <laughs> where it's wanted where it's needed where where people need drinking water i i, I hear what you're saying but I, I recognize if they were like, hey, we've got a National Guard and we're going to do like fixing this road and, you know, fixing the pipes in Flint and maybe helping build new houses in middle America. But this issue is our infrastructure is crippled to the point where they're like, if we don't have people working, use military. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like this guarantees we're headed towards communist dictatorship or something. But when you get to the point where your military is being used for critical infrastructure, if that continues and more jobs are lost, which is happening, mm -hmm. and more nurses are quitting, more doctors are quitting, how long until they're like, oh, they've already deployed National Guard for hospitals. Yeah, there's how, how long until they're like, okay, plumbing? How long until they're like, the, the, the critical infrastructure of this country is being run by the military? There's a big difference between using the military to do good and having no choice but to use the military mm. because or, that's a deep spiral that could get out of control. What's, I think. The, what's the proper role of the National Guard? I'm familiar with the term, but I don't know what, what is exactly is its role supposed to be. Look it up. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Well, so we uh, National Guard provide it's simple way to put it, state army. I know mm-hmm. that's probably offensive to maybe a lot of National Guardsmen, but each state has their own National Guard. They provide defense for the country. They mm-hmm. provide support. They're deployed in riots and things like that. Uh, they're not supposed to, it's my understanding, I could be wrong about this because I was not in the National Guard or in the military, so you guys might know better. They're not supposed to enforce laws necessarily, but provide support internally, whereas the the Army, the Navy, the Marines, mostly external defense of this nation, mm. they can't enforce laws internally, so... This says here during peacetime, each, uh, this is from military.com. Each na- state national guard answers to the leadership in the 50 states, three territories and district of Columbia. During national emergencies, however, the president reserves the right to mobilize the national guard, putting them in federal duty status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, we, we see them deployed for riots pretty often. Okay. Yeah. Uh, floods, natural disasters. They come out and they provide that critical support in major disasters. Mm. So I think it's fair to say that we're looking at an economic disaster right now. Mm. My concern is, this is not a disaster that ends. You know, hurricane comes in, hurricane leaves. You got to fix everything. National Guard can come in, provide a security and assistance, and it's awesome. This disaster is being exacerbated. Yes. The the, the mandates are expanding. They're getting worse. The economy's taking a hit. Yep. Now now Biden's got his national vaccine mandate. I don't know if you heard this yes, in the I U.S. Yeah. Hundred employees or more. They're all, people are going to quit like crazy. Yeah. But the thing is, it's it's a manufactured crisis. Exactly. It's manufactured. When I say that, I'm not specifically saying that the virus is manufactured but the response to the virus none of this stuff is necessary right it's not it's not necessary especially at this point right where it's september 2021 now we're not even talking february or march 2020 at this point where you've got the majority of the population have already got immunity not just in the usa but in lots of other countries cdc study said 80 percent yeah and they're still just going further and further. I mean, you know, if you create these mandates, there's going to be job losses. Like that's just, that's obvious. So I know with a lot of people, people don't like to assume bad intention and people like to assume that politicians and the media, so on and so forth are always working in the best interests of the people. But at this point, I personally cannot put this down to incompetence. I haven't been able to probably for about a year, but certainly at this stage, I'm like, man, there has to be malicious intent there because it doesn't make sense to me otherwise. Maybe, right? You know, because uh, you, you mentioned Hanlon's razor before the show as yeah. we sit down. Never attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. Mm-hmm. But there's something other than malice or incompetence. There's banality. Yep. You know, so we often, is, you know, uh, dumb or diabolical, I think. You know, who? who, mm. who, who Jack who, Murphy. Jack Murphy. Yeah. Dumb or di- diabolical. <laughs> and, uh, well, what about indifferent? Mm. What about you have a governor who's sitting there and he's like, all right, so we got COVID deaths. I don't want to take responsibility for this. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. It is easier for a politician to say, sh- sh- uh, shut everything down so that they can be like, see, nobody died. Yeah. And then when people are like, you're damaging the economy, he can be like, pandemic, don't look at me. Mm-hmm. If he says reopen like they do in Texas and Florida, what happens? The media says, oh, all those dead people are your fault, your mm-hmm. fault. So you have politicians who are just... It's the it's it's the it's the fecklessness. It's the mm. I don't want to be responsible. So if I lock everything down, you can't blame me for the lockdown. You can blame the pandemic. Mm. But if somebody dies, then they're going to blame me for not locking down. Yeah, I, I would I would consider that incompetence. That I, I suppose. I, yeah, I'd call that incompetence because if you are a leader, your part of your job is to is to lead and to make decisions 
and to have principles and to, to stand on them. So if you're not willing to do that, then you're not a competent, you're not competent in that. Yes, fair point. If you're incapable of assuming uh, the responsibility of the office, then you are incompetent. What if you're unwilling? Then you shouldn't be there. Like same, why, same why thing. Are you there? Like so, so is that what, malicious? I guess is my question. No, no. I mean, I think malicious had means you know you you mean to cause some type of harm or pain or suffering, um, but incompetence. I mean, incompetence doesn't. It can mean stupidity, but it can also simply mean what it what it says. Right? You're not competent at this particular test. There are things that I'm incompetent at. Right? I'm in, I'm an incompetent ice skater. I'm incompetent. Really? At, <laughs> I can't right? today. Yeah. Right? They're, 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 I'm, a, I'm an incompetent skateboarder. Right? Like Whoa. I don't I don't know how to scam. I have no competency in skateboarding. I saw you miss a few so, of those shots. Yeah. Like basketball <laughs> I walked down and you like missed, and I was like, oh, oh, man, he's got no skills. <laughs> so yeah, so incompetence doesn't necessarily mean. I think some people think it means like stupidity, mm. or but it's it's really more a lack of ability in a particular thing. You could also have malicious people that are incompetent. Oh, you can have both. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, yeah. not, they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive. But, oh, dude. But the way, if you I, look I around think, the world and, and you, you see the way things are marching in lockstep, like how that can't be accidental, right? How How is it that all these different countries, I mean, look at the Commonwealth countries. How are, How is it all these different countries are doing things which like literally prior to last year were totally unthinkable mm-hmm. the cons whether you're even from from a simple lockdown to something as simple as a mask man like this is unprecedented when was there ever a mask mandate when was there ever like lockdown was just prison terminology right. like th- we've had diseases we've had vaccines we've had all these things our entire lives but all of a sudden it's this and it's that and it's that and all these different countries are doing the same thing there's a couple of things i'll say to that are you mm. familiar with the concept of a standalone complex no i'm not so a conspiracy, a group of people coordinate the effort, then take action, and then you'd see a bunch of banks get robbed, and you're like, what is this conspiracy? A standalone complex would be, say, you know, 50 banks get robbed in every state at the same time, and you're like, this must be planned and coordinated. Mm. But a standalone complex means that each individual took independent action mm. that just coincided with other similar actions, creating the appearance of a conspiracy. Which can be exacerbated by copycat crimes and things. So if yeah. one, especially with social media, if one person makes a bad move in a government, all the other governments are going to be like, hey. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of that and going. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know that the UK was initially going to take the Sweden approach throughout this yes. whole thing. Yeah. Right? That yeah, was the I initial plan for no, the UK. Not. Yeah. So Boris Johnson was not – the UK was never supposed to have lockdowns and mask mandates, all of that. And then specifically, there was a lot of pressure from certain people in the media put on Boris Johnson. And then if you remember, he himself got hospitalized with COVID. Yep. So he got shook. And he saw, that was when he when he flipped. He came out of hospital and then he started singing a different tune. Let me, let me say one more thing too and then in the countries all doing the same thing. If you take away someone's knowledge of freedom – Mm. then they won't understand what freedom is. They won't, you know, I'll give you a chicken example, right? So we got these baby chickens. I gave it a stink bug and they just stare at it all confused. And I'm like, yo, your chickens eat the stink bug, but they don't know. No one's taught them, right? Mm. Mm. So when all of these countries do the same thing, it's because they've, they, they sit there and they watch one country do something and they go, do what they did. Mm. Mm. So, you know, often when it comes to chickens, I'll throw in some, some food object I've never seen before. And seven, the seven outside will come and look at it. And then one will eat it. And then as soon as they do, everyone then's like, oh, okay, I can eat this. Yes. So you know, a, a, probably a better example is business. As we're growing TimCast.com and hiring more people, we're running into these bureaucratic problems. And we're running into just general issues with running a business. 
And then it turns out the solutions are exactly what the infrastructure has provided. Like, why are there services that provide HR services? It's like, oh, because we encountered this issue. And that's why all the businesses do things this way. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think it's a conspiracy or anything like that, or not to imply that you were saying it was. Mm. But uh, to see all these countries doing the same thing, I think it's two things. One, they have no idea what they're doing. So they're simply like, I don't know, do what they did. And then the other thing is, you know, well, I guess that's basically it, right? If, if, if they can't perceive of how to deal with this, then they just absolve themselves of responsibility, do what everyone has, has done elsewhere, because then they can act like they're doing something. Because mm-hmm. you'll often hear from many on the left saying, well, we can't do nothing. When in reality, nothing is often the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think people have forgotten that an overreaction can be just as bad or even more deadly than an underreaction or no reaction at all. And I've been screaming for a long time that the the uh, consequences of the response are more severe than the consequences of the initial threat. I still maintain that position. I don't know exactly how you'd be able to calculate the total harm and deaths caused by all this, but these things have long-term repercussions. I mean, if you remember back to the financial crisis in 2008, there's still repercussions from what happened 13 years ago. That that's what happened and it's it's very it would be extraordinarily hard to quantify the amount of harm and pain and problems that have come from that. Um, but I think this is the same thing. I think literally 10 years from now, you're still going to have issues which originated, again, not because of the virus itself, but because of the response to it, whether or not that is intentional or that is a matter of incompetence or some combination. That's I up got for people to decide. I got a story for you, my friend. Let's go. Let's talk about the future. Okay. From New York, NBC, New York hospital won't deliver babies after unvaccinated staff quit. Six maternity staff members resigned from Lewis County General Hospital during the past week, worsening an existing staff shortage. So you've got a labor shortage. Then they do the mandates. Then more people quit. Now they can't deliver babies. So let's, 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 let's head on with the point you're making. First, this is what happens with the mandates. People are like, I won't do it. I'm gone. Yeah. You want to talk about the future? These babies, where will they be born? They'll be born. And they're going to be born in different circumstances. This will have a profound impact on this country for 40, 70 years. Mm-hmm. So I take a look now. We were talking about this the other day about these like uh, the, these young democratic socialist types, these Gen Zers who are like in their 20 and they're socialists. And they don't care to interact in good faith on Twitter. No. You know, you, you'll, you'll, they'll say something like pronouns in the bio, right? That's, mm-hmm. Is that, is that, is that Zuby's razor? Zuby's razor, yeah. If there's pronouns in the bio, just yep. ignore it. Yeah. Well, so I, I've tried in good faith interacting with people and they'll say something inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I'll respond with a simple point, not inflammatory, and then they'll respond with derision and insults. Yep. And you know, what I think is that these are the kids of the 2008 financial crisis. They were, they were kids growing up at a time when their parents were hurting. Mm-hmm. And then as they get older and millennials also, a lot of them, you live in this nightmare dystopia of financial crises and warped values, celebrities ultra rich for, you know, photoshopping their faces on Instagram. What values do you hold? And now they're voting for people like Joe Biden. Why? Because it's funny. You know, the, everything they said about Trump and Trump supporters is mm. them. Voting for Joe Biden was was the right thing to do because Trump was bad. But they accused Trump supporters of voting for Trump because it was a troll or it was a game. What we have now is... A generation of people who don't care about the outcomes, don't have strong moral values, generally don't care other than 
you know, I don't know. Is it going to be funny? Am I going to troll somebody? Is it going to watch mm-hmm. the, am I going to watch the world burn they, or whatever? They call that opportunity cost. The cost that you, of, of what you don't do because of what you did. Like if you choose to do this, all these other things that you didn't do have a cost because you could have made money or made things from all those things that you didn't do. The opportunity cost of the war in Iraq is now we have psychotic people walking around that think it's normal to be at war. We have the financial crisis. Kids stressed out because their parents are stressed out. They creating. Gr- imagine that. Mm. Growing up, imagine growing up with like a leave it to beaver family. You know, you walk in and there's a big stack of pancakes and bacon and they're like, go to school and work hard, son. And you're like, oh, joy. And your problems were mostly like interpersonal issues, but not my family lost their house. Mm. Yeah. We're struggling. There's homeless people everywhere. Now take a look at the kids being born today. Yikes, man. Fourth turning, right? Mm. Maybe hard times will make strong men and then we'll get a boom period in the next 20 years. Or maybe you're going to have a bunch of dejected, angry, dystopian babies who just want to watch the world burn, man. Yeah. A generation of jokers. Yeah, I think a big problem as well, and I, I touch on this a lot, is I always say that in the modern West, there's something that a lot of people lack. And those two things are perspective and gratitude, right? Because I was kind of having this conversation with Lydia earlier, which is that it's simultaneously true that things are going crazy and it's kind of scary and this is getting worse and that's getting worse and this is bad. But when you kind of zoom out on a historical level or on a global level, you're still like, man, we live in, we, we live on some, in some fantasy island. I mean, just what yeah. we're doing right here is magical. Any of our ancestors would just see this. They'll be like, wait, they'll be like, wait, how, how is my, how is my great, great grandson earning a living and making money? He, he's doing what? <laughs> He, he's talking, uh, wait, what, internet, what, what, what are you, t- right? Microphone. Like, what, <laughs> like the it's whole thing we're writing doing. Writing on parchment and sending it overseas by, by boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so much opportunity. We all know we're all online people. We can see the sheer amount of opportunity that's out there as well is phenomenal. Like what I do for a living, what you do for a living, even just a couple decades ago, even 15 years ago, it wouldn't have been able to be possible in the way that it is now. So we live in this weird, there's this weird, uh, I don't know the right word, juxtaposition where simultaneously it's like, oh man, like this is really worrying. There's this moral decay. There's this cultural malaise. People are giving up their freedoms. People are wanting to embrace radical ideas and cause this division and whatever. But then on the flip side, you're also like, man, compared to previous decades and previous centuries, things are amazing. And you look around the world and it's like, oh, wow, actually, you know, where would you rather be? You get all these people mad at the USA, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well, where do you want to move to? Who Who is that comedian who was cranking it in front of all those women he got in trouble for? Louis C.K. Louis C.K., Louis C.K. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's him. He has this bit where he's like, why is everybody so pissed off? Everything's amazing. Yeah. You got this thing in your phone. It can show you whatever you want. And people are complaining. And you know what? Uh, it was a great bit. And I think someone needed to just tell him about the Rat Utopia experiment and behavioral sync. Mm. Are you familiar with the Rat Utopia experiment? I am. Re- uh, reiterate it for me. Simple is uh, simple version is the this dude created the space where he put, I think he put in like eight rats or whatever, gave them unlimited food and water, and just that's it. They had mm-hmm. a utopia. And then after a few generations, they started fighting each other, killing each other. Each other. Yeah. They some they some stopped re- reproducing altogether. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was some I think it was the I think eventually it became the right experiment. Some were called the beautiful ones. They would groom themselves to perfection and do nothing yes. else. Yes, some became gay. 
Mm-hmm. And so this was the uh, the concept he called behavioral sync. Now, the problem is, this is really fascinating. We had uh, Shane, who's writing for our Mysteries show, and he does articles on the site, talk to Brett Weinstein about this. And Brett said that one of the problems with laboratory mice is they don't inherit information like wild mice and rats do. Every every species inherits some kind of knowledge from their parent. Like I mentioned, the chi- mentioned earlier, you know, I got these baby chickens that are completely raised by humans, and they don't know to eat bugs. Mm. But if the babies are raised by the parent chicken, the parent shows them to eat bugs. So they're not getting access to that information. So it'll be interesting to see. I think I think we're experiencing some kind of behavioral sync mm-hmm. where we've gotten to the point where everything is so good. That we've just lost perspective. We, yeah. There's no yeah. struggle anymore. We need anymore. resistance. Yeah. It, resistance is a natural part of reality where if a tree doesn't have wind resistance, it, it falls over. Yeah. And if we don't have external resistance, we, the internal starts to resist itself mm-hmm. yeah. because we need resistance. That's why working out is so good. You need yeah. to force trauma on yourself yeah. mm-hmm. or it will be forced upon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's so interesting. I mean, you have to, if you live in a country like the US, UK, Canada, and you know, and you're just decently well off, you literally have to go out of your way if if you want to be strong and resilient both mentally and physically you have to deliberately go out of your way to create hardship right like i'm really into weightlifting powerlifting bodybuilding and stuff it's like and sometimes i laugh at the concept cuz i'm like i'm literally <laughs> artificially doing stuff that previous generations or ancestors like the, the concept of of this would be silly to them wasting energy yeah, yeah, like, and, and you have to do that, cause if you don't, just your day to day life is so sedentary, and so inactive, that your body is gonna go to crap, if you don't actually create that intentional hardship. Um, and I think like, I mean, if, again, if you think of human beings, it's so recent, and it's only in a certain part of the world so far, where you can even, where, where, where you even have this luxury, right? All of our ancestors, just, just to survive, Right. right. Like, wh- what do we do if we get hungry? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, 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 you open a fridge or you walk across the street or you tap a button on your phone, yeah. whatever. And something just comes and feeds you. You can get all these exotic foods from different parts of the world in the past or even in other countries. It's like you're hungry. OK, you got to you got to farm. You got to pull out some vegetables or you got to go hunt an animal chase. I'm sure you've probably seen these documentaries where people are like chasing one animal for like 12 hours or something mm-hmm. and then they kill it. And I'm just like, that's more close actually to the human norm than the way that we live. True. You, ever, you ever see or you ever read or see the Watchmen story, Watchmen graphic novel or movie? I saw the movie. So like Dr. Manhattan can see through time. Like he can he perceives time differently from humans. It's like nonlinear. And then there's that that point where uh, at the end when he's confronting the villain, you know, there was a he was the villain was using tachyons to obscure Dr. Manhattan's vision of the future. And then he says, you know, I want to thank you. I've almost lost the joy of not knowing. Or I, I forgot the joy of not knowing. Mm. And I'm like, that idea right there. There used to be a time where you'd grow up, not even that long ago, 100 years maybe, and you'd be like, I heard a, I, I heard about in this one island, they have food. It's made of snails. And you can, and they take it and they put it in oil. And you're like, whoa, I want to try that. And so you charter a boat. And it takes three months and you arrive and everything's different and every, every, all the clothes are different. All the food's different. And you're like, wow. And they look at you and they're like, your clothes are different. And you're like, wow. And you can go from Europe into like East Asia where everything's different. It's still kind of like that, mm. except 
When you get off the plane nowadays, what do you see? Oh, McDonald's. McDonald's, but Starbucks, <laughs> Gucci, Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. Dollar, dollar, dollar. Homogenization dollar. is stripping away. You know what? Fine. You want to do all that? Then give me interstellar travel so I can go experience something new. <laughs> well, you got video games. And that's kind of part of, also part of the problem is people are going in to the mind and playing all these games to create trauma and like, uh, uh, exert effort and things. Mm. And I don't know, yeah. man. I think a lot of that might be tweaking. I people. think that's also why, you know, this, this is, I have no scientific background on this particular idea, but I, I have a kind of hypothesis, which is that there's a level of, let's say, anxiety. There's a level of anxiety that typically is deployed just in being able to survive, being able to, to get food and fight against the elements and fight against disease, you know, potential uh, physical violence, all of that, which... If you are living in a, in a hard place or in a hard time, naturally gets expended bit by bit on a daily basis. And I think that part of the reason why you're seeing rises in even mental health issues and people saying, you know, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, all of this stuff, I think some of it stems from this energy or this anxiety building up and not being dissipated anywhere. I think it's also why minor threats get so exaggerated, right? Whether you're talking about the words or violence brigade we need space spaces and trigger warnings and you know and if, if you what happens if you misgender somebody what what do they say you're, you, got, you got banned for it you're you're, you're right but what they say you're denying my existence you're trying right. to erase me right it becomes like it's like whoa like <laughs> it, it, that that's such a such an extreme response to such a minor minor transgression i mean look at how we're responding to this particular virus we know what the survival rates are in different demographics okay but the response, if, 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 an, if you were looking at this response, you would think that, you would think that the death rate was like 20%, yeah. 30%, for, right? If, if that you, were have, it, then have, you'd be like, okay, this makes sense. Have you seen the polls of what Democrats think the death I rate have. is? They think it's ridiculously high. Yeah. There's some people who think that, you know, there's a 50% chance, Ooh. you know, you get, you get the Rona and you're getting hospitalized no matter how old you are. You've got people running around saying, you know, I'm terrified or you know, I'm not, I don't think it's safe for kids to go back to school. All of that. And I'm like, man, statistically, the flu is two to four times more dangerous and deadly to children than this virus. And nobody is freaking out about the flu. Nobody did freak out about the flu. And it's literally more deadly. Well, to be fair, okay, the, the issue with coronavirus, uh, with COVID was the, the novel, meaning that yeah. with the flu, there's different levels of, of immunity among different populations. Mm -hmm. So this is why the flu pandemic of 1918 didn't affect China as much because they had previously been hit by a similar strain. So when it came back around more deadly, they had some degree of herd immunity. Yep. With COVID, the fear is it's going to rapidly mutate. It's going to it's going to infect everybody to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. Might not be as dangerous for kids, but it could infect other people because mm -hmm. it's going to sweep across, you know, hit more people. So we, we do see I guess I guess it's a fair point that in in kids we don't see the level of risk. No. Ultimately, I think the problem is whether or not you you go through the data and you look at you know I think the the, the death rate for COVID is like double what the flu is. Uh, overall, you mean? Overall, okay. right, right, not for kids. Um, but the, but the flu is it's it's still similar with older people. Older people mm -hmm. are su substantially more susceptible to the flu than mm -hmm. younger people. The the issue ultimately is that 
we, we learn to live with the flu. Yeah. We, we, we look at the CDC study that says there's 80% immunity, I think. Mm-hmm. And we should accept that at this point and yeah. be like, okay, so we got something that's bad. Yeah. It's worse than the flu, mm-hmm. but we're not changing it. Yeah. Right. So how about we protect the vulnerable, like we've been saying for over a year? Mm-hmm. We, you got, we got the vaccine available. Mm-hmm. 80% of people have some level of immunity, the CDC says, and mostly based on the vaccine. It sounds like we did what we could do. Yep. And that's why I was saying earlier, maybe at this point, nothing is the, is, is, is actually what you need to do. No, at this I, point, we need to accept like, just, just get back to normal life, man. You know, take people, have their, can do their own individual risk analysis. I've been saying this from, from day one, right? I don't know each person's individual situation and family situation better than they do, right? There's been this weird notion of absolute strangers suddenly pretending that they care more about you and they care more about your parents and they care more about your grandma and your family than you do, which is utterly absurd. These politicians don't care. They don't even know your name. Right? When they these, don't know who you are, let alone like your family. When these people on Twitter refer to the unvaccinated as plague rats, and when they say things like, you're stupid, you're a moron, and they cheer for people like Joe Rogan getting sick, mm-hmm. you think I'm supposed to, I'm going to believe they care about me or anybody not. else? No, they now, now they're coming out and straight up saying, you know, like, people should be denied health care. Yep. I think they you are know? panicking. You, you made a pretty pro- profound point a minute ago when you were saying that it's like genetically we're used to this anxiety daily of surviving. And mm. now that there's no, it's like, wait, I'm supposed to be anxious about something. It builds up. And, and these people are, I mean, what, what else, what, they, they feel like they are, they, they're winning. They're doing something to succeed by, mm. by this. It's something, you know, but maybe it is to do nothing. I think you're right, Ian. And I think that one of the things that we're hugely lacking in the West, because we are so very lucky, like you were saying, is any kind of challenge. Mm. And Zuby and I on the way down here were talking about the men who fought in World War One and World War Two. They're a different kind of person. We have had no such challenges like they had, and it's made us weak. Mm-hmm. It's made us afraid of things like words. It, it's made us angry when we don't have our conveniences. Um, and I think that's probably the root cause of all of this fear of COVID. It's just mm. inconvenient and scary. And, and I was saying to Lydia in that conversation, something that is going on now, and this is, again, this has been happening for a couple of decades, which is that instead of trying to make individuals stronger and more resilient and encouraging them to be, they just try to nerf the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, see? so instead of saying, you know what? So, so take, take, the madness that's been going on with in universities for the past decade with safe spaces and trigger warnings and deplatforming speakers and this and that, right? The message should be, look, guys, you got to grow up. You got to live in the world. Some stuff is going to offend you. You're going to meet people you disagree with. You're going to come across stuff that are like her and it might be unpleasant. Deal with it. Get stronger. Expose yourself. Deal with it. Instead, it's like, oh, no, let's wrap everything in cotton. Anything that could be potentially offensive or potentially harmful. They like that word, you know. Push that away. Push that away. Shield them, right? Put them all in a bubble. And then, of course, when you put those people out into the real world where they're no longer protected like that, it's like it's like an immune system, right? They haven't built up that immune system. So when the slightest challenge comes out, they break down and they flip out and they scream and they call names. And it's almost like dealing with children. Yeah, appealing to authority. It's, it, it's time for one of Tim's famous anecdotes oh, boy. <laughs> to, to explain the situation. Uh, so when I went on Rogan's podcast uh, last year when, when COVID, like it was, I can't remember, I think it was like March, mm. drove across country, I had to get a COVID test because mm-hmm. Joe tests everybody. And so what they do is they take some of your blood from your finger. The lady was trying to use those little clicker things. It's like oh, yeah. a little red thing and they put it on your finger and those they click it. for me. And it, I, they could, she couldn't get it through my calluses because I play guitar. Yeah. And so that's the example I'm using for a lot of these people. <laughs> 
in these colleges, a lot of these leftists, the reason they're freaking out and turning, like you mentioned, like uh, microaggressions into you're erasing my existence, yes. is they are they are so pink mm-hmm. and 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 soft mm-hmm. that if they stepped out into the light, they would immediately their skin would just start burning in the sun. Yep. They've not built up any resilience. No. So they're they're just they want everyone else to. I mean, cater to their weakness, right? Instead of them, look. You, if you want to play the guitar, you you, you play. Your, you get blisters on your mm-hmm. fingers. You, you rock stars will play until fingers will bleed. Yep. The, imagine these people playing shows. They'd be like, just pre-program <laughs> it for me because my fingers are soft and yeah. they hurt. I ripped the f out of my thumb a couple nights ago playing yeah. the drums. That I mean, was awesome. Think, think about that concept of a microaggression, right? In a society with macroaggressions, nobody is concerned about microaggressions. Go to any place in the world where people are actually suffering and striving for any type of survival, do you think they're worried about microaggressions? Like, they, you wouldn't even be able to explain the concept to them. They'd just be right. like, what, what, are you, what are you even talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> Look, forget your nonsense. I've got, I've got stuff to deal with. I'm trying to feed my family. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live out here, right? You're worried about microaggressions. Um, and like, uh, uh, give us an example, a good example of microaggression for people who aren't familiar. Um, somebody, somebody asking me where I'm really from. <laughs> Right. So if someone asks me where I'm from and I'm like, I'm English and they're like, oh, where are you really from? England. Right. Uh, (laughs) So that would be a microaggression or even somebody telling me that I'm articulate or that I speak well could be considered a microaggression. I'd be like, how? Right. Uh, To me, that's a compliment. Thank you. There's there was this viral video. You do speak well. Thank you. (laughs) No British accent. Uh, There was this viral video a long time ago where it was like an Asian woman jogging Mm. and then she like stops to stretch and there's like a white guy and they start talking and then he's like, so where are you from? And she goes, San Francisco. And he goes, I mean, like, where are you from? Yeah. And she's like, my parents are from Korea. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, like, considering I'm not a dick, when someone asks me, I know they're not implying I can't be a real American with some, like, that. that's the implication. Like, yeah. you can't be a, an Englishman because you're black. Yeah. That's not what they're asking. Yeah. They're just using an informal way to be like, what's your ethnic background? Uh, yeah. You know, where, where, where do your ancestors hail from? Yeah. That, you know, that, and they could, they could, they could phrase it that way, but I mean, you know, like I, I look at my, I'm, I'm clearly not an Anglo-Saxon. So <laughs> if someone asked me that question, the notion that I'd be deeply offended and then I'll go, go write some Twitter, go write some Twitter thread about what happened and, you know, as if I got assaulted or something. Yeah. Like all the cops. It's, Honestly, it's embarrassing. And again, this is what's been happening again over the past year and a half is people now have this inverted notion that everybody else is your responsible for your health. That's not the case. It's never been the case. It's never been the case. You are responsible for your own health. Does someone else have a right to intentionally assault you or like try to give you a disease or something? No, that's that's a different thing. But go ahead. Not in California. In oh, California, the HIV de- thing? Decriminalize that. That's yeah. so weird. Intentional spreading of a disease decriminalized. It, is it just HIV or is it all of them? I'm not sure. I know HIV was like the big story. Yeah. Where they were like, okay, if someone intentionally spreads it, we're not going to criminalize it. Hey, California is backwards, man. California is so weird because it's such a beautiful place. It's such a beautiful part of the world. Wonderful weather and so on. But it's run by idiots. Like, I can't even put it. I can't mince my words. The, the, the state and a lot of the cities are just run by morons. But is it incompetence at this point? They have a poop. No, no, no. The, the copper industry is obsessively keeping those wires all running through the forests in California that are lighting the wildfire. Lighting I mean, it. it is intentional that they are living in a 20th century mm-hmm. infrastructure with 21st century mindsets. It, here's the thing. 
there there comes a point where it doesn't actually matter whether it's malice or stupidity. If you can't tell the difference based on the results, then I would say there are certain situations where it actually it doesn't matter because the result the result is the re, is the result. Right. So if you cause that, whether it's whether you tried to or you're just so dumb that it led to this, you know, like if you're talking forest these forest fires, or you're talking like the mass homelessness problems or whatever it is, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter because this is the situation and the situation needs to be fixed. So either way, whether you're just incompetent or you're, or you're malicious, it doesn't matter. Like we, we need someone else there. I agree. And that's why I supported recalling. I support recalling Newsom. Yeah. And that's why I'm in favor of Larry Elder winning. Not because I'm a conservative. Larry Elder is fairly libertarian, so I can mm. agree with him on a lot of those libertarian principles, even though I'm probably more, I'm, I'm substantially more left-leaning than him on sure. a lot of issues. But the way I see it is the system is so corrupt and dominated by a one-party rule across the board. Mm-hmm. Getting anyone in there to challenge the existing broken power structure yeah. would be a godsend. Yeah, you need to hold people's feet to the fire, right? People often forget that what their relationship and dynamic between the people and governments, state representatives, federal representatives is supposed to be. It's not supposed to, we're not, we're not in a dictatorship or a, or a monarchy. At least we're not, we're not supposed to be. It's not just supposed to be we've got, you've got Supreme Leader Joe Biden or whoever a governor or mayor is or whatever and everyone just goes with whatever they say. They're supposed, they're supposed to be representatives. And people often forget that we pay, we pay their salaries, right? The, the politicians are employed by the people they're not running a business they're not directly creating any value they're taxing us and our money is literally going to their salaries and i think we forget that and i think certainly they forget that they they get this notion that oh i i'm actually just like a mini dictator especially at a time like this where they keep rolling these emergency powers and i'm like look that's not what the relationship is supposed to be you see the same issues that can happen sometimes with police as well right where the, where that that relationship is not what it's actually supposed to be, right? The role of a police officer is to, of course, uphold and enforce the law, but it's to serve and protect the community. It's not to threaten them or to assault people or to like bully people around and abuse that power. You know, okay, I've got my gun, whatever. It's like, that's not, that's not what that dynamic is supposed to be. So I think, I I don't know how, but I, I think there should be like constant reminders of what how, how how that relationship is supposed to play out. You, what's that experiment where they put all those people in and then they created like a, a hierarchy and they gave some people like they were the guards and then other the people. Stanford prison oh, experiment. Man, and it yeah. went crazy. Yeah. Like the guards started just abusing yep. their power. Is that a, was that a real, real true story? Uh, though? Milgram experiment. Stanford, yeah, it was done at Stanford yeah. University, I Stanford believe. Stanford was, I think. It's yeah, called, I that's why it's called Stanford that. Stanford Milgram experiment. No, 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 you're, you're mixing up too. I think okay. the Milgram one is the one with that's the shocks. That's fake, mm-hmm. yeah. And Stanford prison one is the one with the guards. Yeah, it's two different experiments. I don't have all the data on what exactly went down, but I heard stuff went sideways. Yeah, people went tyrannical very quickly to the point where, because it was supposed to be a role play, but it got to the stage where, you know, they were actually legitimately abusing people. I love this idea. We hear it from the left very often where they'll tweet at you and say something like, you would have been on the side of the Confederates or you would have been on the side of the Nazis and all that stuff. And I'm like, there's this uh, teacher who tells the story where he asks his students, how many of you in this classroom would oppose, believe you would have opposed slavery in the United States, you know, pre-Civil War in America. And they all raised their hands. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, now name something right now that you will publicly announce that is deeply unpopular and get you ostracized by mainstream society. 
And of course they don't. They, mm-hmm. They're they're all good little followers. And the point he was making is that, you know, in hindsight, we can look back and be like, oh, of course we're the good guys. Mm-hmm. But the fact is it's typically the dissidents, yes. the critical thinkers mm-hmm. who are challenging the system. And today that's not the establishment left or the, the neocon, you know, uh, never Trumper types. No. It is typically... Some of the Bernie people, mm-hmm. many of them are just towing the line for the establishment left, though. But a lot of the MAGA, a lot of the conservatives, a lot of the disaffected liberals, the intellectual dark web types that are thinking critically, challenging the the, the current power structures. Yes. So if you want to, if you think that you can go back in time and you'd be some rebellious uh, hero, most, most people wouldn't, man. Most most people are afraid to even use their real name and post their opinions on mm-hmm. social media. Oh, I saw you right. post earlier today how great your life can become if you. Expose yourself online and become... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions, Financial LLC, member SIPC. I was just saying that people people miss a lot of opportunities by by not doing so. And I mean, I think it's a shame that so many people live in constant fear. And people really, really get upset when I use the word cowardice. But we do have a pandemic of cowardice. Yep. We really do. Um, doing I, jazz I, hands over here. <laughs> I, agree with I always feel kind of weird when one of the things I hear most, and I, to me it's kind of bittersweet, is when people call me brave. When people are like, man, Zuby, like you're so brave, you speak up, you do it. I'm like, dude, I just say stuff. I, I talk. When I think of courage and bravery, right, if I'm looking at people, people in, in the military going and fighting on the front lines, literally putting their life at risk, a fireman running into a burning building to go, I'm like, man, that's like scary. Like that's actually risking your life. I'm like, man, I say stuff on Twitter. I make music. I talk on podcasts. I do public. Sp- I'm like, dude, like, okay. Cool. Thanks. Thank you in a way. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I wish this shouldn't be that rare. Right. It shouldn't me, be that rare. I want to shout out a, a handful of people. We got this story from TimCast.com. Comedian Jim Brewer cancels shows at theaters demanding proof of vaccination. The Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live star Jim Brewer canceled his concerts. Well, concerts, he's a comedian. At venues across the U.S. that require proof of vaccination before entry, becoming the latest celebrity to protest vaccine passports in cities like New York's. In New York, mm. two quick updates on shows that you may think you, you may be getting tickets to or have already have tickets to the Wellmont Theater in New Jersey, not doing it. Also, the Royal Oak Theater in Michigan, due to the se- segregation of them forcing people to show up with with vaccinations. I am also not doing those shows oh. at the 54 year old comic. I know I'm going to sacrifice a lot of money, but I'm not going to be enslaved to the system or money. Good. There's a lot of comedians that won't do that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of performers who won't do that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are just absolutely marching in line with these mandates because, well, there's money to be made. So let, let's 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 talk about bravery. So you were just mentioning that you know people call you brave. I think what he's doing is brave. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of these other comedians in a second. But you were saying like, oh come on, I just talk online and yeah. stuff, right? Let's be real though. In the event that you get canceled. Meaning like your bank shuts you down, like hardcore, like they've done to some of these people. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to get a job at a regular place? Wouldn't want one. But yeah, but actually, I, actually, yes, I would. You think you'd be able to? Yes, I do. I mean, I, I, I'm I, a very competent person. But it's not about competence. It's about being a pariah. It's about them being like, look, you know, I, I, I'm a fan, but oh, we can't deal with the harassment. Antifa would show up. And See, this is, this is further cowardice. 
It's cowardice at every level. It's cowardice at the employer level. It's cowardice at the employee level. I agree. It's ca- yeah. This is this is the thing. So I, I've said before that cancel culture only works in coordination with cowardice culture. Yes. Yep. Right. If people were a bit more bold and brave and willing to stand up for themselves and stand by their coworkers, their colleagues, their employees, what you know, you're you're a business owner. Right. You have you have you have people who work for you. Right. So if one of your employees, you know, start if people started messaging you saying, oh, uh, this guy who works for, you know, I don't like his tweet or whatever. You'll be like, <laughs> you probably won't respond. They're, but at best, you'll be like, what? Are, you'll 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 stand by your person. And then they're they're impotent. They can't they can't do anything else. It's like, OK, I would I would say it's it's not so uh, it, it's not so simple. Most people might assume like, mm. oh, we're here. Great defenders that would never, you know, uh, fault would never falter in the face of cancel culture. Mm. I mean, let's be real, though. Like you can't go on Tucker Carlson's show and say a bunch of swears and, and racist things. I use him as an example because he's like the biggest show. Sure. He's mainstream, but he's also fairly counterculture. Yeah, like absolutely. There are things that employees at my company could do that. Yeah. I'd be like, get out. Yeah, of, of course. But no. not these BS microaggressions. None of this. Th- this is is what I'm saying, right? I don't think anyone so the term cancel culture sort of gets misused a lot. Cancel culture doesn't mean that anyone should be able to do anything and there's never any repercussions. Right. Right? No, that's not how that's not how society works. If someone goes on, on so it goes on some huge like white supremacist racist rant or something, right? And then they get fired, that's not cancel culture. <laughs> okay? But cancel culture is oh, this person this person tweeted something in 2011. And we've went and we've dug it up. Oh, he was he was 14 when he tweeted it. And now we're going to like come after him and people actually cave to that. Or someone does something which is not even not even a transgression to any remotely normal and reasonable person. And then there, you know, a handful of Twitter people go after them or whatever. And people start people start caving. So. There's certainly there's certainly levels to it. But the, so the reason I bring up the job yeah. thing, like okay. if you do you think you get a regular job, I think that I've already seen it. We've already seen it with many people getting fired over fear of you know, like, oh, someone you you got canceled, you are tweeting things, mm. you lose your job. So there are a lot of people that are afraid to be public figures in that regard. Sure. Like if I speak up, I could lose my job. And so there is to a certain degree bravery and being willing to be a forward facing political figure. Sure. I I I, I will never get offered another job in establishment media. Sure. I worked for Vice. I worked for uh, ABC News Univision. Mm -hmm. After that company, I got basically courted by a bunch of the New York media establishment, and I ultimately decided to do my own thing. That will never happen again. Yeah. Because of the things I've covered, because of the things I've said. I actually had a conversation with one of these high-profile guys um, a few years ago after I had been running my YouTube channel for a little bit. And I saw him at the airport on the way to Davos, of all places. And he said to me, I'm not sure which side you're on. And I said, telling the truth? Mm -hmm. And then I asked him, I was like, why won't you call it? I I pulled up a specific story that was lies about Trump. And I was like, why don't you guys correct this stuff? Why don't you guys ever call out your colleagues in media? How can you just let it slide? So if you're willing to stand up and say, I'm going to lose money Mm -hmm. because I care more about my convictions, my principles, and believing this stuff, there's a certain bravery to it. But but I will just say real uh, also – there's also, for me at least, I don't. I can't say the same thing for you. Maybe you, you would agree. There's like kind of an obstinate uh, uh, personality trait where I'm just like, <laughs> you're not going to tell me. Contrary. It's America. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily contrarian. It's like 
if you I just did it, you just you, she just said yeah, that you just yeah. could, it's a level it's a level no, no, of disagreeableness. Saying, it's it's not yes. a, it's not about being contrarian, like contrarian in the sense where it's just like if you say something, I'll disagree with you. Yeah. If you're in the majority, I'll disagree. No, 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 no. You just have a disagreeable personality. No, on, no, no, no. no. I'm, the, I'm, uh, I'm saying if I believe Jordan's, it, if I yeah. believe it, I'm going to stand by it. Yeah. If I change yeah. my opinion on it, I'll explain. I change my opinion on it. But if everyone in the country all of a sudden one day starts saying vaccine mandates, and I'm like, I disagree. I don't care what the ramifications are. I'm not going to just pretend to agree with it. Yeah. One day in the future, you should rewatch this show when we're all telling you how disagreeable you are and you're telling us I'm not <laughs> disagreeing <laughs> with us. It'll be yeah. funny. Yeah. To yeah. You know, yeah. But that's, that's, that's like a, it's a good trait for a lot of people. <clears throat> Disagreeableness is a powerful trait. I know, I know. Yeah. But, but that's, but, but that's not the point I'm making. It's the okay. principle. Like the, the point I'm making is that you, I can agree with some, if someone comes in and they're like, I think, you know, everyone should have guns. I'll be like, I agree. Yeah. Two years ago, I didn't agree, but mm-hmm. I changed my opinion after oh, being convicted. In, mm-hmm. Maybe it's your, you have conviction. Yeah. Right. The point yeah. is there are a lot of people who are perhaps agreeable or disagreeable. The, the point is it's not about being disagreeable. Like I'm not going to argue with you for the sake of arguing because I don't like you. That's tribalism mm-hmm. where they're just like Biden should win because Trump is bad. I'm like no, Biden should win if Biden's got good mm. policies, but Biden was sleeping on the job. I think when he's saying disagreeableness, he means like specifically as like the big five personality. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, Jordan George, Peterson. No, no, yeah. No. Okay, yeah, yeah. So like just yeah, being able to stick up for yourself and being willing not to just always go with the herd because this is the thing. Like human beings, we we are individuals, and I think society sort of sort of feeds mm. us this line in the West that everyone's really, really individual and unique and special. But the truth is. We're also herd animals, and the majority of people always want to be in the majority. You are going back and talking about would somebody have fought against slavery or fought against the Nazis, etc. The reason why those things were so difficult is because most people want to be in the majority. To, to go against the majority on anything is potentially risky and scary, and you can understand that because we're hardwired to be in tribes. So risking any form of social ostracization um, could have been deadly in mm-hmm. the past. Now it's not so much deadly, but there's still potential real repercussions of that. And, and it's, it's that that people fear. It's not that they are afraid to speak in itself. It's just simply that concern. Uh, what, are, what are other people going to think? Right. Let's talk about these comedians. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I highlight Jim Brewer and he's fantastic. He's had very anti-woke bits. I think it was Jim Brewer had this bit about his daughter going to college yeah, and, yeah, that was Jim, yeah. and hating oh, yeah. him. Yeah. He's he's great. <laughs> patriarchy, patriarchy. Yes, yes. Quite he's rich. awesome. He's well, so he's like, I'm not going to do the shows. Yeah. Patton Oswalt oh. did the other, the opposite. He oh, course, he told yeah. the, the the venues they you have to, have to and yeah. they said no. So he was like, well, then I'm pulling out. Yep. Well, then we have the in between. You have Joe Rogan and you have Tim Dillon. And I got into a uh, Twitter, you know, t- Twitter back and forth with Tim Dillon on this one. Hot Tim on Tim action. I watched yeah. That. <laughs> so, so Tim Dillon, uh, on his podcast, his latest episode is him being critical of the federal vaccine mandates. Okay. He even criticized it on Twitter, but then said, I'm not going to cancel my shows at the event, these events simply because I disagree. I wouldn't cancel my shows in Texas over the, the abortion bill passing. To me, that's an excuse. Joe Rogan is going to be performing at Madison Square Garden. He's already sold 13,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. He booked that before the vaccine mandate. Now he's offering refunds. I, I, I don't know the circumstances for Joe. Maybe he's got a very serious and massive contract and there's a serious liability for him bailing and canceling on the show. So offering refunds is probably a good thing. But I'll still say, based on the information I have, I don't understand why Joe wouldn't cancel that. 
if he's going to come out and say the vaccine mandates are bad, if he's going to, you know, go to the doctor and get prescribed these, you know, alternative treatments or whatever and not be vaccinated, wouldn't you then say, I will not support the system that is forcing regular people to get the vaccine? Mm -hmm. Like, even if you in New York City, the vaccine mandate, there's an exemption for performers. Mm-hmm. If you're a celebrity, yep. you don't got to get vaccinated. Okay, if mm-hmm. you're a low-level guitar player playing at a bar, you also don't got to get vaccinated. So, you know, what, what I was, what I saw Tim Dillon tweeting about this, saying that, like, he, he, he called his fans brain dead. He said, for my, for my more brain dead fans, I'm not the one mandating anything. It's the venues and the, 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 the ticket sales people mm-hmm. and the governors. Blame them. And I'm just like... First of all, like, why you're calling people brain dead for yeah. for, for, for saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Maybe that's his style or whatever. But I'm like, he's already made this thing kind of. He's already coming at people because they were tweeting at him saying like, "Yo, why are you playing these venues?" Let's be real. In New York City, with the mandate, you can drive a half an hour upstate, find a better venue with no mandate. You can cross the river and find a venue with no mandate. If you want to perform in these places, you're choosing to do so. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like he's just making excuses for wanting to perform at bigger venues that make him good money, and that's fine. But then I, 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 I just see a guy who's going to come out and take the position of, yeah, vaccine mandates are bad. Why? Yeah. Well, he got ratioed. Uh, mm-hmm. to, I, I think his fan stepped in and then the ratio went back and forth. But you've got people saying, like, he's being called a sellout now. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Call him whatever you want to call him. I just think that if if I were to go on a show like this one, it'd be like, vaccine mandates are bad. Yep. You would not catch me dead putting on an event with a vaccine mandate. Yep. Just like. Even if I didn't believe it, mm-hmm. you know, why would I ever subject myself? To, no, no. But the reality is we're not going to do it. We are putting on an event. The, the tentative date is October. Uh, uh, well, late October. October 22nd is our, our October 23rd. Sorry. And then uh, no, no vaccine mandates. It's going to be in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Open. No masks. Whatever. Because I wouldn't do it otherwise. Yep. But I look at some of these people and it, it kind of b- bums me out that Jim Brewer is I don't think he's I, he's probably wealthy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was an SNL. He's a famous guy. Half-baked. He'd, Half-baked. Yeah, for sure. He's a funny guy, too. He's great, man. So he's probably wealthy to a certain degree. I'm not going to pretend like he's the 1%. You know, Joe Rogan's estimated net worth is in the tens or hundreds of millions or whatever. Yeah. But how much is enough that you're going to be like, you know what? I don't need to make another 10 grand performing at this venue that's going to subject my fans who are upset about this. Well, at this stage, with hyperinflation, nothing, you could never maybe possibly, a sandwich could cost $100,000. So it it comes to community. I mean, this is legit social currency is where we're going. Sure, Ian, you get paid 10 grand, you put it in crypto, you put it in property, you don't lose the value because of hyperinflation. If the banks knock your bank account out, you lose it. And the property is there with your name on the deal. No amount of money is going to ever be enough. That's the point. It's people. You need people. You know, you need you need society. You need culture and, and I, friendship. I understand that for some people, no amount of money is enough. And that's what I can't understand. Because I got to tell you. Enough to I, survive like $30,000 a year. Uh, I think the, the 10 years ago, it was, it was considered 77K. So mm-hmm. look at inflation. I'd say you'd have to double it at this point. Maybe maybe 125. In New York, it's like 200K a year. Mm-hmm. But I just don't get it. You know, look, 200k a year. Sorry, that's that's for what specifically? Like to be considered perfectly middle class. You oh, get okay, vacation, you. you have clothes, you go to the dentist, you have okay. healthcare. I just I just can't understand. It's as high as 200k just to be considered middle class in, in New, New York? York City. Yeah, so in New York City 10 years ago, it was 150. Hi. 1000 wow. per year to be considered middle class. That's okay. I didn't know it was that high. For the rest of the country it was 77. Yeah. So it fluctuates with cost of living. Yeah. I just here's what I don't get, and and it, and it could be very simply that Joe Rogan has a contract with Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. that is probably massive. We're not talking about a little rinky-dink club here. Mm-hmm. He could be on the hook if he severs the contract for like millions of dollars yeah. or whatever. 
But I'm just wondering, like, when you do a $100 million deal with, with Spotify and you were already making tens of millions of dollars, he's not going to get more. I mean, he can get more rich, but, like, what do you do with the yeah. money? And he's not going to get more famous. So at a certain point, couldn't you just be like – I mean, actually, I'll, take, I'll tell you this. With, on Lex Friedman's podcast, Joe Rogan said he had FU money yeah. and that he just buys sports cars because, well, if you got the money and, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to be – okay, well, then stand up for your principles. Say mm-hmm. no to the vaccine mandate and tell Madison Square Garden you change the, term of the con- terms of the contract by mandating this. I won't perform. Yeah. What does he need from them? It bums me I out. I, bums I, me I don't out. know, man. I mean, I feel like anything I would say on that would be – would be speculation. You know, we've both been on, on Joe's show multiple times. Uh, you know, we, we've met him. Most people haven't. And I don't know. I mean, I know what I would do in that situation with the information that I know, as you alluded to, there could be something in there in a contract, which is really putting in between a rock and a hard place. I don't know. So I'm kind of hesitate to hesitant to, to speculate on that. I do think though that in terms of the, in terms of the general, wider principle then i i do actually think it's extraordinarily extraordinarily important for high level musicians comedians performers and so on to uh actually to boycott this if if they do look some I, people I wanna, don't just real go quick ahead, go ahead. i want to say the same thing for tim dylan yeah, too yeah. like he booked his tour he may be like i can't pull out of these contracts yeah. So, you know, with yeah. respect, that could be the circumstance yeah. he's dealing with. I mean, I know artists who are on, um, you know, artists who are on a much, much smaller level who have canceled entire tours because of this. So, again, I don't know all of the details. And these, these are guys who, you know, need the money far more than someone who's already worth $100 million plus. And they've pulled out on principle and said, you know what? I, I'm not going to perform at any of it. I, I announced that back in, back in April or so. Before there was even so much talk, let alone implementation of these vaccine passports, I said, look, I'm not going to perform at any venue where people cannot enter unless they, they show their papers proving that I was like, it's, it's never been like that before. I don't want it to be like that in the future. I'm, I'm not the biggest artist in the world. Like I'm not going to crush the music industry by me doing that, but that's, that's my line. I think that's my line. And, I'm and not comfortable with tying it. it with what you were saying earlier about how we're 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 individual, but we're also herd animals. Yes. This is the point when one very famous person makes that call and decides I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. People follow. That they is do. that is how we're coded. They do. And look, most people most people are against the mandate. Well, Even, if you go to no, CNN, they say 51 percent are in favor. Nonsense, nonsense. Most people are against the mandate. I think so too. Most people are against the mandate. Whether people have had the shot, I know there's people who are super pro-vax who literally think almost everyone should get it, but they're like, "But no, it shouldn't be mandated." Yeah, because right? well, the mandate backfired. Yeah, it, but not just that. It's just fundamentally, it's look. If the government can force you to inject something, even if you believe that that thing is is good for you, right? The government shouldn't be able to. You know, vitamins are good for you. The government shouldn't be able to force you to inject vitamins. Exercise is good for you. I'm a huge proponent of exercise. I'm a huge proponent of healthy eating. The government should not be able to force you to go to the gym or to lift weights or to go for a run. So you can be very much in favor of something, yet totally opposed to it being mandated on, on a state level or even on a massive corporate level. Look at the people who supported Michael Bloomberg. Voted for him in New York. This mm. is a guy who says tax the poor. You ever mm-hmm. hear, you ever hear a speech on this? He's like speaking at an event. I don't think I heard in this. In New one. York, and he's like, you got to tax the poor because they're not smart enough to buy the things they need. So if we take their <laughs> money from them, we can give them what they need. Wow. So, so he did the, the drink tax. 
Okay. You know, he tried to do the drink tax. I don't know if it actually he pulled it off, but he was like, all, you know, large sodas will be taxed at a higher rate. Okay, yeah. Trying to deter poor people. This is what they do. They do punitive taxes. Mm. We'll just tax the cigarettes, make it harder for them to get them because they're bad for you. Mm-hmm. Government shouldn't have anything to do with that. I, I will say there's a line. Uh, schools and certain public uh, facilities, uh, institutions do require vaccination like your standard, you know, MMR. Mm. Polio. I think that's unique to the USA, by the way. Really? Maybe not totally unique. I don't th- I I don't think that's the case so in much there, of Europe. I don't there's think that so. there's that argument where, you know, Chris Wallace of Fox was like ragging on the, the, the governor of Nebraska. I was like, "Well, what about all these other vaccines, you know?" But, but well, I'll sorry, just I'll ahead. just say really simply. Yeah. Yes, over years of research mm-hmm. with long-term studies, we sat down and had a legislative body determine that we should have certain requirements for vaccines that mm-hmm. are readily available and considered safe. And, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. That's very different from an emergency use authorization edict coming mm-hmm. from a governor who didn't pass the law through no dis- no conversation, no debate. Mm-hmm. You know, there should be an opportunity for hearings. There should be an opportunity for rep- rep- representation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit back as Joe Biden circumvents the two other branches. There's something really interesting that you perhaps inadvertently highlighted there, which is the concept of precedent. And that's the one, that's the worst thing that's come out of the past mm, 18 months yes. is the precedents that have been set, right? So I don't think that, so even if there are other, it sounds like here in the US, there are other vaccine mandates for people to go to certain schools or I think to be in the military. Like I actually oppose that, right? So just because they've made that decision in the past and set that precedent, to me, that doesn't mean okay that this one's okay i'm like well right. i don't think that was i don't think that's right either um and what we've what's happened now is precedents have been set for lockdowns precedent has have been set for stay at home orders for forced closures of businesses for forced forcing people i mean bro i grew up in saudi arabia i remember just 2 years ago what was the thing that people always oh that's horrible they I, they, they make women cover their faces <laughs> right <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, in France, in Germany, in the UK, they're, they're debating back in 2015, 2016, should we ban the burqa? Should we ban right. the Islamic face veils, whatever? Now you're mandating the burqa and you're just calling it science. You see the Met Gala? Yes. All the servants are wearing masks and all it. the elites aren't. Yep. The funniest thing possible. So a lot of people are ragging on AOC because she had this, this dress saying tax the rich at a $30,000 event. But I'll tell you what the funniest thing I saw was the video of her leaving the event where everyone's cheering and screaming and she's waving as a staff member is carrying her dress from behind for her while wearing mm-hmm. a mask. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nothing says cyber nightmare dystopia like the leftist wearing a, a fancy tax the rich dress at a $35,000 per ticket event as everyone celebrates and cheers for her and her masked servant carries her dress for her on the way out. Amazing. The, the thing is, dude, this has been happening all the way. Remember Gavin Newsom and his French laundry dinner? You had Barack Obama's birthday party recently. You've had these governors and mayors going on vacations and holidays. In the UK, we've, there have been the scandals there too. And here's the problem, man. Pointing out hypocrisy is only effective on people who actually have principles. Or scruples. <laughs> right? It's right? True. So if, if, if I do something that's deeply hypocritical, and someone points it out, I have to check myself, right? Because I have principles. I'm like, oh, you're right. You know, like I was, I'm not practicing what I preach here, right? Like I, I, I did something wrong. But open hypocrisy, there's no greater flex of power 
and authoritarianism than open hypocrisy. And we know this, right? Yeah. Uh, last year, I went to uh, Romania for a couple months. And I was in Bucharest, where you have the second, a lot of people don't know, the second biggest building in the world after the Pentagon is the presidential palace really? in Bucharest. Wow. Yes, built by Nicolae Ceausescu, wow. their, their last communist dictator. Yeah. So the building, I believe, was finished in 91. I think he was killed in 89, so he never lived to see the completion. This built, if you go inside this, the opulence, the decadence, keep in mind this is all happened, built during the communist era, and you've got all the communist buildings around. He displaced over 20, I believe over 20,000 citizens to build this building. <laughs> so he demolished 20,000, the homes of 20,000 people to create this monstrosity in the center of Bucharest, which he never even lived to see. But there's gold on the ceilings. There's over a thousand rooms. There's six floors. When you see the building, keep in mind, there's another six floors underground. Wow. Right. The building is so heavy that it drops a couple centimeters. What's it called? Every year. The presidential palace in Bucharest. Look up up this place. It's gigantic. I believe it's the second biggest building after the Pentagon in terms, I guess, in terms of overall floor space. This thing is Jeez. It's it's insane. What do they have? It. What does it do now? What do they use it for? Uh, they use it a little bit for media. They do use it for some government activities. Uh, you can take tours of it, but a lot of it, I think, is just it, it, it's gigantic. Over a thousand rooms. I mean, you, the, the size of this place is unreal. You walk in one room, and it's like a it's like a football field. I you just know, watched just huge. the video of Ceausescu getting executed like okay. uh, three weeks ago or four oh, weeks ago. He and his wife. And mm-hmm. I mean, they were like up into the moment up, up against the wall. And the yep. woman was like, still like, you're the problem. You're mm-hmm. wrong. And they're wearing their nice clothes. Yeah. And it was on Christmas day. I think mm-hmm. 1989. It was televised. I yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And I mean, look, we know this. You, you know that under communism, the, the rule, the, the rulers are, uh, the, the rulers do okay. Yeah, <laughs> the, do, do, the rulers yeah. are very, are very wealthy. <laughs> And uh, they're living in luxury, and yet everyone else is starving and living in squalor. So you think Ceausescu was like a prime example of a hypocrite? Obviously. I mean, I, I think, as far as I'm aware, all the communist leaders were, right? I mean, they were living lives of luxury yeah. and telling everyone else that, you know, they all need to be equal and have their rations and uh, live in squalor and but, live in famine. But they were convincing themselves that they needed the things that they were, that they were getting? Yeah. I mean, so it, it's it's the same mentality, right? It, it, the same has happened, I mean, moving away from communism, just look at dictatorships, right? When you've had dictatorships, whether in parts of Africa or in the Middle East or in South America, the people at the top are bawling. They're hundred million billionaires. Yep. And meanwhile, people are just living in absolute squalor. You got something to say? Four million square Ooh. feet. There you is go. Building. Holy cow. <laughs> How many? Yeah. In, in Romania. Three million nine hundred thirty thousand square feet. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> How many floors was it again? It's like it's a six city. underground. <laughs> I, I want to say it's about 12 floors. Maybe yeah, it's, it's something footprint. Like that. It's a massive footprint. It's huge. It takes an hour to walk around the... the it takes an hour wow. to walk around wow. the, um, not, not just the, bit, like the perimeter. I think that's bigger than my college campus. They're it's about the same size. Huge. It's, it's, like, it's huge. <laughs> it's cube. Its volume is 2.5 million cubic meters. Holy cow. It weighs 4 billion kilograms. <laughs> what? Have 9 analytics. billion pounds. 4.10 million tons. We often think about the biggest building yeah. vertically. Yeah. yeah. No, but this is it's huge. girthy. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's huge. If, if you ever go to Bu- if you ever go to Bucharest, like it's, oh, I'm going that. for sure. Yeah, it's, it's worth it's worth <laughs> checking this place out. 
Um, and there's even tunnels. There's tunnels that go of from course. there to apparently the tunnels under be, underneath are so big you can drive a tank through them. We have, oh. So they, they say it's uh, the building. The palace is worth four billion euro, making it the most expensive administrative building in the world. Whoa. The cost of heating, electricity, and lighting alone exceeds six million dollars per year, <laughs> comparable <laughs> to the total cost of powering a medium-sized city. Amazing. Wow. One building. So, so to your point, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting to openly flaunt the rules. That's yeah. that's what this is all about. That's a power flex. I mean, w- what's a greater flex of power than open hypocrisy, right? Yeah. Telling people one thing yeah. and you're openly doing another. I saw this photo. There's a, an article in The Spectator. It says COVID rules are for the serfs, not for the celebrities. It's true. And it's a picture of uh, Kamala Harris' stepdaughter and some other actress or whatever. And I'm just like, bro, it's the capital city from the Hunger Games. Mm. And that's the one thing I hate the most more than anything probably having grown up in the south side of chicago seeing all of the ultra well-off hoity-toity people and the people i knew from the suburbs who had good families and came from wealth Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i don't care if you're rich i don't care if you got nice clothes i care if you treat other people with respect yes seeing people mistreat waiting staff seeing them mistreat janitors seeing these the the staff at this event all being forced to wear masks Mm -hmm. while they flaunt their wealth with their ridiculous costumes Mm -hmm. i'm like yo these are the worst people. It is. It's the same reason why why Woko Haram are so as a, <laughs> are are so, are so annoying, right? Like You're waiting these, for that one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, these these woke people, they're so insufferable because they'll go on and rants about, you know, white supremacy and being anti-racist and whatever, and then ooh, a black person disagrees with them and they're the ones, you know, calling them racial slurs. Yep. yep. Or they're the ones literally discriminating. Yeah. I've experienced it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're the ones literally discriminating against people based on race. A few months ago, what was a big conversation here in the USA? What was it was that was racist? Voter ID. Yes. Okay. Which is the least vaccinated group in the USA in terms of <laughs> demographics? Is it black people? It's black people, right? Less than less than half the black people in New York City, I believe, have taken the shots. Okay. And now the same people who are saying that voter ID is racist are now pushing for vaccine passports. No, no, no it's vaccine right? ID. You need you you need an actual government. Yeah, and you need an ID as well, right? So you need the you need the proof of vaccination, and you need an ID, and you know that very disproportionately that's gonna you you've effectively effectively banned black people, most black people in New York City, from restaurants, from gyms, from whatever, and this is the same people who less than a year ago are talking about voter ID being racist. Yo, they're doing it right now. Yeah. You know, right now you've got the Republicans with the, they, they just passed the voter bill in Texas, mm-hmm. which included a voter ID for mail-in voting. And they're like, it's racist. Yep. And so I tweeted, Vaxxer ID is racist. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, a lot of people were like, oh, you're so dumb. And I'm like, bro, what? I'm not talking about vaccine passports. I'm talking yeah. about Vaxxer ID. Mm-hmm. Vaxxer ID is where in New York City to enter a building, you need a physical state issued ID with your picture on it. Mm-hmm. You also need proof of vaccination, yes. but they're separate. So how are you going to sit there and be like, voter ID is racist? I'm like, I agree. Yeah. Vaxxer ID is racist too. And they're like, Man, shut your mouth. This is the thing. I mean, come on. Going to a $30,000 ticketed event wearing a, a dressing tax the rich. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, th- th- this is the thing, but the well, hypocrisy almost to someone like that, it, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter because they've got their legions of psych, psychophants who no matter what they do and all this open hypocrisy, they're still like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, slay, whatever. And it's just like, this is, that's why I just can't take these people seriously. There, there, you know, I, I look at what, when I first saw what AOC did, 
I didn't immediately jump on the like, oh, everyone's slamming her for going to the Met. I'm mm-hmm. like, look, I got invited to the Clinton gala. Sure. Uh, uh, and it was a black tie affair. And I said, I ain't going to wear a black tie. I'm going to wear a, a, be- a sweater and a beanie. And they said, you can't come. I said, I'm not coming. Yeah. And so if they said I could, I'd be like, I'm showing up sure. to this place with all these rich people and I'm going to wear my normal clothes. I got no problem. And so, you know, when I see AOC, she's like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to wear tax the rich. I'm like, to a certain extent, I would find that actually acceptable mm. as a good form of protest to show up and be like in your faces. The problem is she wasn't there protesting. No. She was there enjoying her meal, <laughs> celebrating and smiling with celebrities, no waving to everybody. Yeah. And she was accepting a bribe. Yeah. I'm not going to mince words. AOC took a bribe. It was a $35,000 ticket. Now, how do they get around it? It's a charity event. Of course. So there's no real value. Except us plebs can't, well, I shouldn't say that. It's not fair. But regular people can't get in. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm some like poor person who couldn't afford to go. No, the reality is I still think the elitism is a problem. And yes, even if I am well off, Mm -hmm. I'm still rather lefty on a lot of these issues. And I am disgusted by the hypocrisy of AOC because she is a faux leftist. She doesn't actually care about elitism. She wants to celebrate with these people. She wants to be one of them. She wants to be with them. How dare she have that man carry her dress in the mask? That sickens me. Don't come to me and pretend like she was doing any activism. No, that was her excuse to be like, well, I was protesting. No, you weren't. (laughs) Show up, pull pull the the cloth off the table, knock over some drinks, give them the finger and say, I don't care for your stupid garbage events. Mm -hmm. You don't care about any of these people. Look what you're doing to all the staff and making them do while you don't wear masks. You're hypocrites. No, she didn't protest. She enjoyed her meal and she left. And I think people also need to know that there's a difference between being an elite and being an elitist. Right. You can have people who are elitists and they're not elite. They're not part of that class. And you can have people who are in the elite class. They're, they're worth a hundred million plus. They're billionaires, but they're not elitists. Right. So Joe Rogan. Perfect example. Great example. He's yeah. not an elitist. Right. He's an elite. Absolutely. By, by any sort of measure, he'd be considered an elite, but he's not an elitist on a, on a bigger level. I would actually say that people like Trump for that. Yep. Right. Donald Trump is an elite. He's a multi-billionaire. Right. He's not living like I said, but he's not an elitist who holds his nose and he sees these people in middle America and people in the working class. And he's just like, you know, insulting the I mean, Don Lemon is an elitist. Yep. Right. He's not as elitist Trump, but he's an elitist. Right. He will look down at an insult even on TV. Half of the American population. Oh, yeah. Perhaps more. Right. And, And that's why people like that are so insufferable, because. It's not the fact that, oh, you've got money or you're successful. It's like, no, that's cool. But you can have money and be successful and not look down on humanity in general. We need people the, like that. Those founding fathers were like that, too. Yeah. The Democratic Party is the party of Globo Jim. You know Globo Jim? Globo Jim, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're better than you, and we know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I think of when I see them. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. The Republican Party used to be the same thing until Trump kicked the door in. And said, I'm having a well done steak with ketchup. And you got to make fun of for it. Yeah. So no, that's actually such a good example. You know? It really is. It's the perfect example. And, and Trump played the media so well because yeah. they made fun of him for doing it. Yeah. And meanwhile, regular middle Americans eating their, you know, garbage dollar steaks from the Savon are yeah. like, why, well, that's how I like my steak. Yeah. Trump, Trump was trying to be a man of the people. He was yeah. trying to say to them, you know, look, I'll be like you. It's a, it's a common political tactic, mind you. Mm. But you look at, at what the, the Democrats, they've always tried to be, the, the party of limousine liberals. Meanwhile, they claim Republicans, you know, they, they support 
cutting taxes for the billionaires because they think they'll be rich, but they're wrong. And it's like, bro, you do the exact same thing. You're sitting here with these celebrities going to the Met Gala where they have no, no, no COVID rules and you do mm-hmm. and you're, you're licking their boots. Maybe if you took the boot out of your mouth, you'd be able to smell and see what was going on. But yeah. you're smelling all their stanky feet. So what can I say? No doubt. And it's the same reason why people find so much of Hollywood and celebrities just insufferable. It's not because they're rich or because they're famous or they're successful. Kudos for that. That's awesome. It's when they're sneering and looking down at and literally openly just mocking huge swathes of people, oftentimes people who have actually put them in that position of success, right? I mean, it's not that, oh, the only people who watch movies are, uh, you know, wealthy elites. It's like, no, like every everyone watches movies. Everyone plays video games. Different people read comic books, whatever. So when you have that audience and you're openly hostile towards them, it really rubs people the wrong way. And I don't, again, I don't know if maybe they do some of that unintentionally or if it's intentional, but... I think that's part of what led to the backlash, I think, uh, in 2016, both in the UK with the Brexit situation and with Trump. I think a lot of that was cultural backlash. It wasn't purely politics. Politics was a part of it. The economy was a part of it. But it's also just people like, look, I'm tired of I'm tired of you guys like just talking to us like that and, and treating us like that. So, you know what? This guy ain't perfect or this thing ain't perfect, but we're, we're, we're going to go for that. You know, I've been I've been thinking more and more about um, I've I've always kind of felt this way. Like I mentioned, the the elites at the Met Gala, the Capital City, the Hunger Games, and just like the snooty behavior. I've known people my whole life who just have this attitude of I'm better than you, and I know it. Mm. I, you've seen them all around, and I can't stand it. I despise those people. And so when I see a lot of the high profile people who are supposedly opposed to that, who have massive wealth. And then use that wealth to buy themselves stuff, infinity pools and condos and fancy stuff. I'm just like, why? Like, you well, know, like Rogan it, it, with his cars because he wants it. It's his FU money. Do whatever you want with your money. That's true. I completely agree with that. I just wonder why it is Joe doesn't just find somebody who's like advocacy. Maybe, maybe he is. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, throw anything at anybody who's, you know, be it AOC or otherwise who's donating and, and doing charity behind the scenes. Mm. You know, Hassan Piker. Bought uh, what was it, like a was a three million three million, yeah. three million dollar house and they were like why aren't you giving to charity he's like I am I just don't publicize I'm like that's fair because I mm-hmm. give a lot too mm-hmm. but I I just look into a lot of these people Hassan included you know left or right I don't care if you're making millions of dollars why aren't you building stuff with it yeah so like we we have this you know we have the vlog and we have the million dollar skate mansion we call it but like we've 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 reached capacity basically in this house with how many people we've, we're staffing and hiring bringing people in. And just being like, do your thing and make good stuff, and we're going to try and build something. And and now we're looking at buying a venue because mm-hmm. the goal is not to have money to buy, load up a garage full of sports cars, or to get myself an infinity pool in a luxury uh, a condo in D.C. or anything like that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I want to just hire people. It's mm-hmm. not super easy to do. But my point is, I look at a lot of these ultra-rich people buying yachts and stuff. I guess I guess I get it when you have so much money. It's like, what do you do anyway? Yeah. But it really is hard to manage. I just wonder why it is that there's so many people who are active in politics, who are extremely well off, who don't do anything beyond their shtick. Because it comes down to their principles and values. You know, everyone has a different, different principles and a, a different value system. And I think that when it comes to money and power, I believe that those are primarily amplifiers right there enablers so if you are 
you know, if you're, if you're naturally a fairly genuinely generous person who cares about like helping others and building and helping up, right. And you come into a lot of money or power that will be amplified and you will then have the means to help. Oh, cool. I can help even more people now. I can build even more now, whatever. Right. I think that's your, that's your position. But if you take someone, it, it's an amplifier, right? If you take someone who's a little bit of an alcoholic or a little bit of a drug addict and you give them like millions of dollars, what's going to yep. happen, right? They become a major alcoholic. They become a major drug addict. If you take someone who's a little bit got authoritarian tendencies and likes to tell them, tell people what to do and bully people and whatever, you know, if they're, if they have not a lot of money, power and status, then they're kept in check because they, they're not, they don't have the capacity to do a lot of harm, right? So look, look at the, look at crazy dictators, whether you're looking at the Saddam Husseins or the Gaddafis or the Idi Amin's, whatever, right? Those are people who then you give them essentially limitless power and funds and they can enact all of their crazy psychopathic stuff, right? Hitler isn't the only, Hitler wasn't the only Hitler out there. It's just he was the one who actually had the power and capacity to do that. And th this is quite a dark thought, but there are millions of people who, if you gave them that same unchecked power, they would also commit genocide, I, I, right? I, I, which, which, which is, which is scary, but there are there that those people e exist, they exist, but they don't have the power and the capacity to go about and do that. And so it's a little bit of a sobering thought, but I just think that's reality. I think I, I, I have, you know, two, two th thoughts on this. Is sure. One is like, I don't understand why people who have money don't do more cool stuff. <laughs> you end up seeing, typically it's a, it's an issue. It's a, it's a, it's something of the left. Mackenzie Bezos gets billions and what does she do? She just dumps billions of dollars into critical race theory and, and, and social justice. <laughs> and then, you know, you, uh, you have some right wing personalities and, and high profile families that are wealthy and that fund a lot of stuff. The Mercers, mm -hmm. the, the Koch brothers and things like that. I don't know what the Kochs are doing as of late, but, I think it's just There's one of just, them now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so my, my point is there are a lot of very wealthy people who just choose to have whatever they want. And there's a tendency that we see on the left, hardcore political activism, Tom Steyer, Michael Bloomberg, George Soros, et cetera, Mackenzie Bezos, flooding the left with money, giving resources to all these people to, to support this stuff. And I don't think you have nearly as much on the right. And the same is true for the culture war. There are a lot of personalities who have moderately sized podcasts and YouTube channels that are making hundreds of thousands, if not millions plus per year. And they just put it in their pocket, put it in the bank, buy stuff for themselves and their family, and they don't invest. Meanwhile, you have left-wing activist organizations that, you know, the way, the way I describe it is you've got a, a game of tug of war where one side is pulling with all their might, the left, and the right is just trying to stay where they are. Mm -hmm. If you're not pulling back and you're just trying to stand, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get pulled down. Yeah. So I just, I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm like, if you're going to go out on YouTube, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Twitter, and be like, these are the things I care about. I demand, blah. And you make a ton of money doing it. And then you're like, well, I'm not actually going to do anything about it. Mm. I question your integrity. Yeah, it, it's complicated, man. And the thing with people who are more conservative is they're more conservative. Yeah. Right? People, like, they don't want to be, I mean, how many conservative protests do you do you see like if you think of the concept of activism itself it's generally thought of as a left-wing phenomenon right people on the left tend to be more willing to fight they tend to be more more bold in saying what they believe even if some of it is absolutely insane um and i'm always trying to urge people who are just more i would just say more sane 
not even necessarily conservative or libertarian, whatever, even just sane liberals, just people who are sane. It's like, look, you need to push back at least equally or you right. need to advocate for what you believe in at least equally. And people say, oh, well, you know, well, we'll we'll go to the polls in 2024. And, you know, as Andrew Breitbart said, you know, politics is downstream from culture. So that's why with what I do, I'm like, man, people need to focus more on the society and the culture. Like we're both artistic people. So creatives, musicians, actors, whatever people need to. It doesn't mean you need to go and create like a whole right wing economy necessarily or like right wing everything. Just, you know, it's just th- th- those options have to be out there because if if all you do is play defense, you're always going to lose. Right. Right. You're, you're, you're always going to lose. And there needs to be a level of just people going, look, OK, we need to draw some lines. This is you know, this is reasonable. We need to push back against this. Otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, an ever-growing series of L's. I think Breitbart had a good point when he said politics is downstream from culture. But I think, you know, I'm starting to realize that politics is irrelevant. Culture is everything. Interesting. You're, the, the judges rule based on what popular culture tells them to rule on. Mm. So the interpretation of the Supreme Court is entirely based on mainstream narratives. So you can appoint all the judges in the world. But those judges, look, at they'll, they'll throw Chauvin under the bus in two seconds. Mm. Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm willing to bet they'll throw him under the bus too. Why? Because they're scared of what the popular culture will do. Nobody mm. wants to be ostracized. So if you don't have control of culture, then you can say, here's the law. The Constitution says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Unfortunately, we don't have a strong gun culture in this country in that capacity. And I genuinely mean that mm-hmm. because you have too many people who are gun owners who are willing to accept more and more regulations on their guns. Mm. If so obviously people would say that's absurd. America's a massive and crazy gun culture. Sure. And the, and the and they they allowed for the NFA and they allow for the ATF rule changing and they they allow for this over and over again. And the actual strong gun advocates are the ones always saying stop. Mm. No, but there's no political party looking to repeal all of these laws. Mm. You have the Democrats demanding more restrictions and the Republicans saying no, wait, don't. So we don't have a strong enough culture in this country to resist the infringement upon our right to keep and bear arms. Mm. If the entire culture of this country was 100% on board with everyone owning a gun, there'd be no restrictions Sure, because the culture would dictate. Mm-hmm. Same thing will happen with free speech. So I've thought a lot about this. I used to, be, I, I, uh, I used to say like, <coughs> I understand the law on like, you can't incite someone to violence. Mm-hmm. I've actually been questioning that. You know, someone super chatted, uh, we read it once saying that it should be the action, the taking action of violence should be punishable and incitement should not be the crime mm-hmm. because Congress shall make no law establishment, you know, freedom of speech or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that means you can say, I want you to go do X, but you didn't do anything other than say words. Yeah. If we allow the government to put a law on any words, then what's to stop them from saying there's already precedent to where we can make some speech illegal. Mm-hmm. The Constitution says you literally can't, yep. but we've already allowed them to do it. Yeah. In which case, what's next? Hate speech laws? No, you got to protect some slander and like calls to violence and things because people are, uh, people are like brainwashable. Mm. The the, the First Amendment is clear. No, I I understand. I've actually had this sort of internal debate with myself as well uh, with like, because I consider myself, you know, generally, I mean, there's the positions of literal 100% free speech absolutism. You know, you can, you can slander, you can incite violence, so on and so forth. I tend to be, I tend to con- think of myself as like one step in from that is in like, okay, those fair exceptions 
and then everything oh. else provide, provided it's you're talking about and, and it's because of what you're saying. So I, I agree that, Hate you know, so, someone someone could tell me to go commit a, a crime or violent action or whatever. And, and I'm not an automaton. Right. I ultimately am responsible for my own actions. I can't just be like, oh, well, he told me he told me to rob that store. It's like, no, well, I'm the one who did it. Right. Um, but at the same time, see, th- th- this this is a, this is the tricky one, because as we as we know, like now more than ever, human beings are you you can brainwash people, you can radicalize people. And, you know, Hitler didn't kill anyone himself. That we I, don't, know I of, don't know. Did he? Right. No, he himself, as far as I'm well, aware, he, I don't was, know, in, he was in I, World War I. in the first war. I think. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Point, so, it, okay, when he was in power, he himself was but, not but, was not doing any of the killing. Yeah, but he wasn't the, known for that. But but here's the issue: hate yeah, speech is incitement. Standing up on a soapbox, mm. decrying maggots, maggots, and plague rats. Mm. They're destroying this country. Something needs to be done. They need to be stopped now. You, something needs to be done. You don't directly cross mm. that line, but obviously, their example of hate speech isn't saying mm. maggots and plague rats. Yeah. But when that's their argument, the whole time has been hate. They've been saying this mm-hmm. for years. Hate speech is incitement. Yeah. It should fall under the law. If the culture shifts in that direction, they'll start mm-hmm. enforcing it. So, uh, so I'm not even. I, I, I think the term incitement. I, I, I actually don't. I don't use that in my in my own definition of like limitations. To me, it would be direct calls to violence, right? Because incitement is too gray. It's too gray. Well, incitement right? typically means telling someone, "Hey, go do X." Okay. Well, yeah, I think I think that to me is where I'm like, okay, that's considered an exception, I believe, under 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 U.S. law. I mean, I think when it comes to it free is. speech, the USA certainly has it the be- has it the most rights out of any other country. And the issue is, if the Constitution says they shall make no law establishing, yeah. you know pretending to speech and yeah. religion and all that stuff. And then we say, oh, but you can. Yeah. Well, then the exceptions are that, – that, that means there is mm-hmm. an exception. And that means depending on the culture, mm-hmm. more exceptions will be made. And also, I, I mean, okay, let, let's let's move away from it calls to violence and incitement. What about th- like slander? Mm. That's right. Civil. What So – There has to be damages. Yeah, but, you know, if someone is going around claiming that somebody is X or Y or they've done this or they've done that – Again, I can see like that is. It's not, a, so, it's not a crime. It's not a crime. It's not a crime. Uh, if 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 I se- if I speak something, it's slander. If I write it, it's libel. Okay. And then I can file a lawsuit in a civil court okay. where I say you caused me damages by lying. Yeah. No one goes to jail. They just say, well, you know, you owe him for the damages you caused him. Mm. So it's one thing to say you will get arrested for incitement to violence. You can get charged mm. with with incitement. Okay. You can't get arrested for lying about somebody. You'll get sued, and then you'll have to pay up. And often it's extremely difficult to even do that. Mm. I've been lied about left and right. I'm sure you have too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you even do? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's an it's certainly an interesting conversation. It's well, sort of, I don't. It's one of those ones where I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, tough moral question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little bit tricky because I can see the sort of slippery slope argument. Um. But also, I think, okay, if you have essentially free speech absolutism and then you have those two caveats, I don't necessarily if if people are you know pushing for far, far, far more infringements, then obviously that's an issue. But I think like as it currently stands, I'm kind of like fair enough, right? I'm not I'm not so this I'm is, not so ideological so, on it that I'm unwilling to kind of be like, Okay. So enough. therein lies the, the main the main yeah. issue. So long as you have gun owners being like, 
okay, well, I understand this. Mm. In 10 years, they'll say, okay, well, I understand that. Mm. And then in 50 years, you'll have gun bans. Yeah. Slippery slope is a very real thing. And increment, incremental changes huh? are, are, are a very real thing. But it doesn't mean that it always, it doesn't mean that it always happens. Right. So the truth is with any, with any law that we have, you're going to have everything sets a precedent, right? Every single thing sets a precedent, but it doesn't mean that it always goes as far as it theoretically could be pushed. Does that I, make sense? I, yeah, yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. I think uh, the Second Amendment is the perfect example of cultural erosion. I mean, mm. we used to have gun clubs in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like so many guns are banned mm. and for ridiculous nonsensical reasons. Can but, I ask, what is it that switched your your position on that? Because that, I've, right? I've never been I've never been a hardcore anti-gun person. Okay. I've always been a – I think there's reasonable things we can do to – you know, this was a few years ago. Reasonable things we can do to like, you know, maybe maybe track purchases and maybe require insurance or something because we're talking about a deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. And then someone commented on one of my videos saying, I completely agree. I I would prefer I would also like you to get uh, uh, speech insurance for your First Amendment right, yeah. mm-hmm. and then I was like, that's a good point. If we're talking about your rights that can't be infringed upon, I might disagree with you owning the weapon in certain capacities, but I certainly don't have the authority to legislate that away unless we have a constitutional convention and mm-hmm. change the amendment. And then I shifted to okay, well then I think if the left wants to change the gun laws, they got to have a convention to change Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, okay, that makes sense. Fine, it'll never happen. Yeah. And then it basically came down to when the riots were getting crazy, when COVID was getting crazy, and I started saying, okay, I'm going to go buy a gun. Mm. Someone tried to break into my house. And then I actually started uh, training with them, learning about them, using them, and then being like, everything the left has said about guns is completely wrong. They're lying. Mm, mm. They're either lying or they're completely uh, idiotic, but they're 100% wrong. Mm. When they say things like, no one's banning your guns. Bro, I have like 20 guns that are already banned in like, 15 states yeah yeah they're banning guns yeah absolutely not to mention the nfa making it damn near impossible to even get them and then the atf changing rules so some guy goes out and buys a weapon and then two months later the atf changes the rule and how's he supposed to know then they go kick his door and arrest him because he has an illegal weapon nah Mm. we can't have that but we can have super chats we got to go super chat so we (laughs) can if you haven't already smash the like button subscribe to the channel go to timcast.com become a member because we're gonna have a members only segment coming up at 11 or so p.m Let's read some of your super chats and see what y'all have to say. Just uh, uh, real quick, because someone super chatted right now and it's relevant. They said, First Amendment protects expression of opinions and beliefs. Calls to violence are not an expression of an opinion or belief. 1A does not have exceptions. All right. Let's see what we got here. Pugin says, would pursuing a career in federal law enforcement still be worthwhile? Or have things gone too far politically? My dream is to work for the FBI, but I'm worried that wokeness has hurt its efficacy. Me personally, yeah, watching X-Files is fun, you know, like this. It's not even about Mulder chasing aliens. It's about they actually show the FBI as some like noble profession of stopping murderers. And there's like serial killers. But I'm like, it's all it's all a dream, man. Look, I've I've uh, I'd be willing to bet that wokeness has infected and infiltrated everything. So me personally, I'd say "Mm, I wouldn't do it. All right. The curly Afro says, Zuby, great book. Almost finished my dietary plan. Doing 80-20 first time up. Tim and crew keep up the great work. And Ian, read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yes. Ooh, and Miyamoto Musashi's Dokodo. Yes. Oh, Both. Very, thank you. Absolutely. Solid second. Nick H. says, healthcare is not a right. The far left on Twitter is telling us 
telling us this when they want vax mandate because they're angry unvax using up beds in hospital. That's right. Yep. They say healthcare is a human right unless you don't do as you're told. Mm-hmm. In which case, what? I see how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The principle is whatever is expedient at the time. Indeed. Yep. All right. Let's see. Insert name here says Tim, a new AFT director is not appointed within the next 23 days. Rule 34, Article 2, Clause 2 of the Constitution states the Speaker of the House may appoint nominees to any vacant position. Google Speaker. Um, get out of here. That's a, that, you, you, you got me. I'll give you that one. You put AFT too, right? Not ATF. Well, AFT is because Biden says AFT, That's but they funny. were, they were pranking us. <laughs> they were, they were, they were, they were pranking us. Smart. I fell for the prank. You got me. <laughs> I didn't read the last part though. Good face. I know the rules of the internet. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's find ourselves a nice, here we go. What does it say? Crom? Crom Mike says, let's be clear. Using military to escort children will allow them access to take your children at any time. All they need to do is make it the new normal and then give them the order. They will give you something to lose your job, your children and your life. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but I that, I don't think you should live in fear of the National Guard like that. Personally, I just think it's it's one degree at a time. It's, it's a not like there, no one's ever going to come out and be like the National Guard will be taking your children from you. They're saying, I'm sorry, there's no bus drivers, but the National Guard will become will come here to help. And then, and then something will happen and they'll say, your kids were brought to a special facility because of the threat level from COVID, but they'll be back tomorrow. You know, it's not going to be overnight. They don't mm. do, that's not how it works. Hmm. Homeschool so, your kids. Yes. Homeschool your kids. Yes. Yep. It's a precedent. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Michael Smith says, last airbender taught us about neutral jing. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing and wait to see how to respond properly. In fact, we were just talking with uh, Dan Holloway the other day, and he was mentioning that a really good interrogation technique is after someone answers you to not say anything because people hate silence, so they'll just start talking again, mm-hmm. and yes. they'll give you more and more information. Yes. You know who's really good at that? Norm McDonald. Oh, snap. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch him. Yeah, dude. It's great. Norm was a genius. Sergeant Wolf says, Tim, not all Gen Z are socialists. Many of us are outvoiced on social media because we're not there to be activists. Much like how not everyone is not on Twitter, uh, not everyone is not on Twitter is everyone in the world. I'm a far libertarian, not a Nazi. Mm. Well, there you go. All right, let's see where we're at. Tony Mathis says, Tim, you're analyzing the problem from a leftist viewpoint. Seeing your parents struggle makes kids want to help. If in no other way, that's not causing that no other way that's not causing more problems. If there is love in the family. I'm just saying there's a, there's a lot of leftists who are talking about how they grew up in this collapsed economy with constant struggle. They go to school and they have massive debt and there's no jobs for them. And now there's another collapse and they're just totally nihilist. I want to ask you guys about that. So you were saying there's this, uh, I guess you call it a, a cowardice culture. And then, Tim, you were saying people are like kind of coming out without calluses and they're raw to the environment and it's hurting them. How do we the, I, I would imagine the only way we can help them is over time developing, helping them <laughs> until the beatings stop. Yeah. Uh, beatings yeah. until the beatings stop. Wait, yeah. how does it? Until, um, the, until the morale improves. It, yeah. You need to help them. You can't really callous them because then they're going to take it personally and attack you for it. But you got to encourage them to start to take calluses or to mm-hmm. callous themselves. I mean, that's kind of what you do for a living, basically. It's yeah. Look, you have to... Resilience is built over time. Exposure. Right? That's literally how 
you learn anything and it's how you get stronger. It's how your immune system works. It's how you build muscle. It's how you get fitter. Everything. It's uh, incremental, small incremental gains. So I think you want to encourage children, teenagers, young adults to challenge themselves, go outside their comfort zone. It's why, you know, something as simple as playing in sports is so important because you learn how to win. You learn how to lose. Mm -hmm. You learn how to get along with a team and how to have an opponent, but not necessarily deem them an enemy, right? A lot of people now can't differentiate between an opponent and an enemy, Mm. right? And I think that's kind of dangerous because people see the other side as as a threat, as an existential threat. What's like, no, that that can be your political opponent or someone you disagree with. That doesn't mean you have to hate them Mm. or want them or wish physical harm on them, right? That's messed up. But a lot of people haven't learned that. And I think... I see a correlation between this and I've made this point before where I I see a genuine correlation between like people playing sport or being physically active and their sort of sociopolitical outlook on a lot of these things, right? People who have built themselves up or they've faced some kind of like true challenge or adversity, whether just by their environment or self-determined, then they they carry that over to other aspects it's 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 rare to find someone who is physically strong who is like mentally weak who is like how like throughout this pandemic is there anybody jacked who's afraid of covid i don't think so there's nobody jacked who's afraid of covid right that's not accidental like honestly like that that's maybe i have some confirmation bias but like i i'm observing who it is and what's going on? And it's like the same people who freaked out about that. It's the same people who freaked out about Trump. Same people who freaked out about Brexit. Same people who freak out about climate change. It's the same people who are freaking out over COVID. It's like the same. Do you, do you know people. about the uh, attractiveness phenomenon with uh, the p- political parties? I do, yes. Yeah, Republicans tend to be more attractive than uh, politicians, not yeah. individuals. <laughs> but boy, did the young Turks get mad at me for this oh, one. Yeah. It was really funny. <laughs> so I, I had mentioned this because there's like, there's like six studies pointing out that people who are uh, Republican politicians tend to be more attractive. Mm-hmm. You can see it at CPAC. And then I cited the studies. So they did a segment making fun of me, calling me ugly, and then saying I was right. <laughs> I'm like, that's just Brilliant. the weirdest thing. I guess you win. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't even being mean. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I think the point I was mentioning was, and it's funny, this shows you the tribalist nature of, of like the Young Turks. The point I was making is that people who grew up beautiful mm. are privileged. And that they're, they have better access to things. People want to help them more often. And they're like, if I could pull myself up by my bootstraps, why couldn't you? Yeah. And people who are frumpy and ugly have a hard time of life. And they're like, we need collective resources because life is not easy. And so you have beauty privilege. Mm-hmm. And they criticized me for it and called me ugly. It was really weird. <laughs> You're not ugly, Sam. I don't care what they think. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm pointing out like the nature of their argument is he's right, but he's ugly. I'm I like, mean, okay. Oh, I can't stand ad hominem attacks when they go no, for. I'm not uh, a fan. Yep. But, but you, you learn to expect them because that's all some people are capable of. It's their only line of argument. And the problem is that it, it works on so many people, right? So many people, if you just call them a name or you call them some ist or ism that or, or phobia, phobic, then uh, they they shut down. They immediately go on the defensive, and once you've got them on the defensive, then you've you've kind of won. So I can see why people use this tactic, but I think people need to stop falling for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did it in my twenties a lot <laughs> on on YouTube. I would yeah. make videos at people and go for their weak their physical weaknesses and okay. like make them feel insecure about it, so that I, then I could prove my point easier against yeah. them. It was terrible, <laughs> horrible. Like I seeded this stupidity. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Josh Denny is an Uber driver, says yesterday Biden stopped in Boise. Over 2000 people peacefully assembled to shout F Joe Biden. Huge (laughs) shout out to Idaho Dispatch for doing the honest journalism we need. Check out their channel for a stream of the whole event. Support great honest journalism. I heard that people were shouting F Joe. (laughs) National chant now. All right. Let's see. Matthew Hammond says, can we get Zuby and Clifton Duncan on the show while Tim and Ian's mics are muted? I was thinking of those two. Technically, So yes. you just want a show with Zuby and Clifton Duncan? <laughs> Does it have to be in this room? I mean, I'll, I'll go wherever. <laughs> you, they could just do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want to, if you want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I, have, I have done a podcast with him. He has been on my show. He's All right. Yeah, like, yeah. He's cool. What they're basically saying is they refuse to not watch Tim Cast IRL, but they want that. So <laughs> they'll only watch it if Can Lydia here. still like turn the cameras to me yeah, and Tim sometimes? Can I talk? I don't I'll know what the rules then. are here. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to Rumble says Jim Brewer's Twitter is inundated with people that are hating on him. Check it out. I'm not so sure Jim Brewer cares. Good. He should see, see, he seems resilient, and he's repeatedly called them out. He's probably laughing. You know who else is awesome is Rob Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got he's Norm awesome. in him, man. I, I was watching it, uh, him talking about the crew, him and Sandler, and... Yep. and and he, the way he was talking, you know, you know, Norm has got like the guy. I, I, I don't know if I can jump in. No, Norm, you know, I, I can't do a Norm right now. But Rob was doing it. It was just in him. There's such they're friends, man. Yeah. They, 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 they were at the same time period. And they believed in uh, being able to tell jokes and stuff. You know, and they have that like, uh, you know, get the thing. Yeah, I, I love Dude. Rob Schneider's Twitter. He's just he's <laughs> called he calls people out. He doesn't. Look <laughs> he's fearless. You know, right on. All right, let's see. Daniel, Yo, we, have, we haven't talked about it, but uh, the the Nicki Minaj thing's been interesting. If you've caught that, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> they, 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 the media lies about Nicki Minaj. She says, "Y'all, y'all are lying," she and then someone it. says she's on the side of the far right. Yeah, it's like yeah. what did they lie about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let me read this. Uh, Daniel Lipscomb says, "Hey Tim, I'm 29 and need 8k for a hip replacement. Worth asking if that money is really burning a hole in your pocket. It's probably one way to put it. If you had a GoFundMe, I'd go check it out." 29 and needing a hip replacement. That sounds bad. That's, uh, I've given away a ton of money to GoFundMe's for pets and for people's medical issues and people who've had their homes destroyed in the, in the wildfires. So I'm not necessarily a big fan of just giving money away because I want to make sure we have resources to hire people, pay people well and expand the company. But at a certain point, like I see a story about someone whose house burned down. I'm going to be like, yo, I'm not going to leave this person hanging. Yeah. You know, I see I, there was someone who got attacked by Antifa and had their equipment destroyed. And I was mm. like, here's money. Go buy go yeah. buy yourself some new stuff, man. I can't good like, you know, I'm not going it, to it's tough, you know, yeah. but uh, I think we're going to we're going to do some great stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we we've got we got the funds to hire more people, more, and more people, the more people we become, the more people who sign up and become members at TimCast.com, the more we're we're focusing on hiring people and expanding. The challenge is. You can't just go into the list of resumes and be like, hired, 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 because you end up with a bunch of people who can't do the job, and it's like an arduous process. Yep, yep, yep. The last thing ever is to, like, I I cannot stand, the idea of firing someone is like, wrecks my mind. I can't mm, stand it. You gotta vet people so deep before you hire them, in my opinion. Especially because we have to move people out. If we hire someone, and they're like, okay, their resume looks good, they look good. Okay, we're gonna hire you. We like we we'll fly people out. We'll t- check their vibe. Okay, now you can move out here and join the company. And then something happens where it's like, <sighs> yeah, you, it's like a long vetting process. It's not easy. 
All right, let's see. Clef the Misfit says, Tim, you're asking whether it's incompetence or malice. But it's like Zuby said, these people are children. Children are both ignorant and malicious. These traits feed into each other. Mm. Yeah. Maybe so. Corey Richmond says, Zuby, being from the UK, what is your stance on gun rights? I'm very pro 2A. I don't, I don't advocate for it in the UK because it just wouldn't work and doesn't make sense. And there isn't the cultural and historical precedent for it. But I think that Americans absolutely, if the past 18 months has not made this clear to you, then you've been living under a rock. But Americans should absolutely never give up their Second Amendment But rights. why shouldn't the people in the UK get the right to keep and bear arms? It just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. There's not the historical precedent. Like, if you even advocated for that in the UK, you'd be considered, like, extreme far right. Mm. Yeah. It's so far outside of the cultural and political window. You got to start pushing the window. Well, that's and, and the, we the people, the them. people don't want it, right? It's not like the people want, if, if British people were generally like, yeah, we want gun rights, then you could bring it into the political discussion, but the vast majority absolutely yeah. do not. So you and change the, the culture. Yeah, the, 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 con- the concept process, would horrify yeah. them, but that would be hard to do. I mean, America's got several hundred years of culture and history with that. <laughs> Partially because of the British, right? Yeah. Thanks, um, <laughs> thanks for that. Partially. So, uh, yeah, partially. So it's kind of different. Derek Nelson says, love seeing Zuby. He probably doesn't remember me, but I lived on the Damam Street in UDH, Saudi. Wow. Growing up over there does give a different perspective. Tim, thanks for helping me get through last year. Ron was right. And the Fed. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember Derek Nelson? The name rings a bell, you know. Huh. Where I lived was only like 1,400 people. Do you know uh, Demam Street? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. UD, what is UDH? Udalia. It's where I used to live. Oh, in wow. Saudi Arabia. Wow. That's man. awesome. Yeah, cool. Tiny, tiny community. Very yeah. cool. Do you get into crypto? Yeah, yeah. I've been in crypto since 2017. Oh, yeah. Good year. <laughs> Squall, for, for crypto, you know, to be in it. Squall thinks, uh, says, there's wi- wisdom in Joe Rogan not using his platform to make a statement about what should be limited to the conversation between doctor and patient. All right. I, I, I hear that. Joe Sosnowski says that's not how you pronounce vitamins. Vitamin. Yeah. Vitamin. Vitamin. Vital <laughs> mineral. I, I abstain. <laughs> You're both right. Yes, everyone Zuby, that, Vitamin a- is short for vital mineral. No, it's not. You get it right. <laughs> yes. No, it's not. That's a total lie. Then why, would, then why would you have vitamins and minerals? What? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Vitamins so and minerals wanna, are different. Looking vitamin Vitamin's not short for anything. It's We're just looking it up. Here we go. I, I, I will happily, I will happily concede I, if I'm wrong. Originally, I don't, I don't think vitamin is short for anything. Vitamin with an e on the end. Apparently, a oh. 1912 coined by the Polish biochemist Casimir Funk uh, from Latin vita life. Uh, hold on, I got to look up the entire article to get the rest of that. Yeah, vita, vita, vita's life. Vita. Oh, yeah, gosh. vita. From Pyrut, Gway to live, Amin. Ah, Vita like, Amin. Oh, you mean like proteins. Right. I stand yeah. corrected. Oh, because they were thought yeah. to contain amino acids. Life there amines. we go. Yeah. So Vita Amin. Yeah, I was going to say, because it wouldn't make sense, because you say vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. We don't so say that. You we don't do. say that? Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah vitamins yeah. and minerals. Yeah, so if yeah. vitamin like included minerals, then second half would be redundant. Ah, right. I've been what? defeated. I've lost. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Waffle Sensei says, Zuby is effing based. Oh. Yes. Thanks for the super chat, Waffles. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Don't know what to reply to that. (laughs) All right. Let's see. Mark Roberts says, AOC Met Gala. How's the farmer's bed? 
Animal Farm reference. Mm. Mm. Some animals yeah. more equal than others. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's like she broke through the wall and now she's emanating like tax the rich and from the inside? Because I think that's what she thinks she's doing. I think she's cosplaying as a revolutionary because when yes. there were revolutionaries in France, they did not wear things that said down with, you know, the rulers. They just did it. The chat is like, Tim is done. Zuby wins. Zuby got him. <laughs> <laughs> got me. Triumph over. <laughs> Ben Walker says, Tim, there's criticism for your presence and self-censorship on YouTube, big tech censorship, and your criticism of Tim Dillon. Is it possible that his rationale may be the similar, but the ends are different? If not, a distinction might be helpful. Yes, they're very different things. First of all, when I was talking about the vaccine mandates and people were like, yeah, well, you're on YouTube and YouTube censors. And I'm like, if the bars in New York were like, we have a vaccine mandate, but if you show up, we'll let you in anyway. Okay. If they were operating a speakeasy behind the scenes, that'd be like, okay. If, if we have a show on YouTube where there's like some things we can't say, they're typically slurs we don't want to say anyway. Okay. And for the most part, our opinions on the show don't really fall outside of YouTube. The issue is we want to have guests on who do have opinions outside of that of YouTube. So we created a private space on TimCast.com. We can do our show, express ourselves. There's nothing we're particularly worried about for the most part, but we created a space where we can be safe. It's it's not the same. I think it's 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 fair to say, you know, there's some criticism and get off YouTube. But why would you sacrifice the largest video platform where you can say 99% of the things you want to say and then use that to push people to a space that insulates us from all censorship? Just makes sense. Mm-hmm. In regards to Tim Dillon, he could book a venue that doesn't mandate vaccines. He could book a suburban New York venue, right? So it's 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 not one for one. I welcome a discussion on it and criticism. And as I pointed out, with respect, Tim Dillon may already have contracts in place. He can't just break those. And so he's probably like, yeah, I don't know what to do. So I can respect that. I just think, for me, I'm like, censorship is bad. We're going to create a space where we can speak out against censorship. And there's a line. If it ever came to the point where YouTube told me I wasn't allowed to say something very important, like, you know, uh, Joe Biden should be impeached because he's a crooked politician who was colluding with uh, Ukrainians in, uh, in Burisma so that he could get an investigation pulled on, on the company that his son worked for. If they came out and said, if you mention that again, we'll ban you. I'd be like, I'm going to say it. In fact, when it came to that one guy's name who you can't say, I actually had a, like, I got a huge fight with YouTube over like, if you, if you push this, I'm going to make, I'm going to upload six videos per day just saying his name, nothing else. <laughs> and then ultimately I was like, there's a limit. Uh, is it really worth it for me to, to, to argue over saying one name? That the issue isn't black and white. I don't need to say a name. I can put it on my website and I can use the funding and the resources to have an impact. My understanding is that Tim Dillon isn't actually advocating against the vaccine mandates. He's actually arguing that they're okay because some people want them. He said, I'm not going to cancel my show because half the people who like me don't like the mandates. And I'm like, right. So he's just supporting the mandates while then saying they're bad. It's not one for one. I disagree with what he's doing. You can disagree with what I'm doing. It is what it is. All right. Seriously, JK says, weeks ago, you made fun of my comment about a vaccine passport black market that will form. And here we are. It already started. Also, check out the video Daily Wire put up about a gl- uh, global clashes and protests. It's getting wild. It absolutely is, mm-hmm. especially with parents. There was a, a, I covered the story. Bannon was right. I'll say it again. They, they canceled these meetings, these school board meetings in one area because uh, parents were attacking the school board employees. Wow. Because like, people wow. are not having it, you know. Yep. That's what happens when you push people that far, though. 
especially with our kids. Yeah. Do you have kids? You know? Do you have family? No, not yet. Or, not yet. I want to have at least five, but yes. um, nice. great number. Not just yet. All right, let's see. We'll try and grab as a. Uh, 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 where was more? C squared says Tim Dillon, best Tim, insults everyone under the sun. Look out for the beanie bash. He's gonna dress you down like a Taco Bell bathroom, Tim Pool, you dim fool. <laughs> now we talking. You know, uh. Okay. <laughs> that's a lot of meat. So, so, there. so Tim Dillon on Twitter recall, uh, called his, his fans, uh, brain dead morons. Ouch. So then I quote tweeted him saying something like, Sometimes, you, you know, there's no vaccine, there's no medical exemption for vaccine mandates in New York. Sometimes it's good to be part of the wealthy elite, right, Tim? He then took that and made fun of me for being bald. So then I called him a coward. Uh, that's, that's the extent of like, you know, for the most part, if you want to have a serious political conversation and you want to entertain conversations around politics and you don't know what you're talking about and you're scared, don't come up in my grill. Don't insult your own fans as brain dead morons and then rebut me by saying I'm bald because if you can't hang with hardcore political conversations, you shouldn't be in the business. That being said, the dude probably will roast me. It'll probably be really, really hilarious. And the dude is very funny. I would never dream of getting involved in a, a like a, a roast contest <laughs> with a guy who's as funny as Tim Dillon. I can respect that, but I can't respect you publicly coming out on your latest episode saying vaccine mandates are bad. But I have no problem performing at venues that do them because they're not, I don't care that much. And then when your fans come out and say, yo, dude, this is selling out. And you say, well, you're a brain dead moron. I'm like, dude, that's like lowbrow. Okay. I'll criticize that. He can say whatever you want about me. Hassan says stuff about me. All the leftists do. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm just going to talk on the internet, I guess. All right. JM Kid says, great guest tonight. Tim Zuby is interesting. I will have to follow him on Twitter. That's right. People should follow you, follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter? No doubt. At Zuby Music. Z-U-B-Y Music. Mm-hmm. Sar- Sergeant Sponge says, Tim, take it easy on comics. They say things to be funny. That's it. There are no other rules if someone laughs. Joe and Dylan don't have to wear politics front and center. Yeah, they don't. Um, I'm not saying they do. Uh, what is it? I mean, comedians are entertainers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're here to make us laugh. You know, they're not here to challenge the system or ruffle feathers uh, like George Carlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you wrote that, like George Carlin. Right. Yeah, yeah calling yeah. yourself a comedian is not a, a, a badge to, to be an idiot. Uh, you still got to back up your words with your actions. George Carlin got arrested for his bit. Mm-hmm. To stand up, he was, yeah, but you know, maybe he was just more than a comedian. George, what did George Carlin get arrested for? Seven words you can't say on TV. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah, know we, that. we, we had a bit on the members only podcast where yeah. we just repeatedly said the seven words. <laughs> I never knew he got arrested for that. He got arrested for oh, it. I didn't know he that. got, he got in a lot of trouble for okay. it. Yes, well. He was, he was, he was willing to say, I will sacrifice my freedom mm. for what I believe in. Mm. So that, that's why I'm just like, you know, look, Joe, Joe's a friend. He's a good guy. But I just don't understand how he can come out on the show and be like, hey, all these things are really bad. We shouldn't do this. But I've got no problem supporting a city and a venue that does it. Oh, man. Cancel that MSG show, dude. Uh, it's his deal. Oh, I want to start cussing right now. <laughs> it's, re- it's, it. really, it's really easy without knowing the full details. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's, it's, and I'll do say whatever. this for Tim. For Tim Dillon, too. You know, I'm not uh, – I want to make sure I'm, I'm being fair because I don't know his contracts. He's got a big tour. He's got a bunch of venues. Yeah. He might not be able to. I worked for Fusion. Here, here's the one thing I think is acceptable that, that you can say about me. I worked for Fusion. I worked for them for two years. They were woke and insane. And I tried to leave, but I had a contract, so I couldn't. So I was stuck with the company for an additional year while they made all this stuff. And then finally, once my contract was over, I walked. Right? So to, to be fair, sometimes you can't just walk away because they'll try and destroy you. You know. Mm. So, All right. Let's see what we got here. 
One more. Kyle Abrams says, hey, Tim, would you be interested in hiring a chef, groundskeeper, housekeeper local to your area or letting someone intern? The answer is yes. Uh, a groundskeeper would be would be greatly yeah. appreciated and needed. Um, I'm not sure about housekeeper. I think we have, I mean, you know, you could you could help out. You can send an email to jobs at timcast.com and then uh, we'll get to it, you know, to the best of our abilities. Quality control is difficult because mm. I can't just be like, hey, you go hire someone because then it's just it, doesn't, it, it takes a long time and so you don't figure it out. But uh, anyway, if you uh, if you haven't already smashed the like button, subscribe to the channel, go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a members only segment coming up talking about naughty words, things that YouTube doesn't like. And uh, I mean, they're usually not that crazy or anything like that. But you can follow me personally at TimCast. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL for a bunch of clips. Zuby, you want to shout anything out? Yeah, sure thing. So my new album is out right now, uh, Word of Zuby. It's available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. I've also got my own podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, which is available on all the major platforms. And you can find me on all social media at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. That was cool, man. I thought we could have had like talked about a lot of different strata of of evolution and consciousness and like culture and stuff. But this was like... That was great. This it's all good, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Fun. We can, we, yeah. It's rock and roll, baby. Hey, find me at Ian Crossland anywhere. Check you later. I'm being forcibly instructed to tell you that you're the world's best female weightlifter, which is how I first heard about you. You mm-hmm. were smashing the boundaries of gender. Hey, you know, someone had to break that glass ceiling. That's right. And I, I really appreciate that about you. Yeah. Thank no, you. That's Zoom. all good. I, I'm glad I, I did it for women worldwide. That's right. I respect you as a yeah, fellow. Smash the patriarchy. Thank, and then, you, thank you, ma'am. But now you're, you're you're a man again, right? You identify as a man again. Uh, that's a little bit presumptuous of you. Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> well, there's a question mark at the end of that <laughs> yeah. statement. Yeah. And I don't know why you're making it seem that it's just a binary. You're, I mean, yeah, you're twisting fair. my period. All right. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll get into it in the member segment. We've got a story <laughs> that'll be, to. that'll be, yeah, a challenger mm-hmm. emerges. Did you shout out your... I didn't mean to throw everything off. I just wanted to say that you're the best female weightlifter Thank in the you. world. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys it. are welcome to follow me at Sour Patch Lids on Twitter as I attempt to gain more followers than Sour Patch Kids. We will see you at TimCast.com for the members only segment. Check it out. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.